time to be alive as a wrestling fan. It's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell coming back at you with a bang. You heard it right in my voice. Pro Wrestling Wednesdays back at it, ready to inject you with another lethal dose of that performance, enhancing audio, and maybe find out some key questions about you, the listener. Now tell me who's the fruit booty. No, not that question, not that question. I want to find out this week, are you as fired up for this genre as your boy BC is right now? Wow. Knee deep in G1, SummerSlam on the horizon, AEW is calling, and WWE proper seems to be giving a damn, folks. And you throw in NXT and this incredible build toward Toronto, you got a boy, your boy, who is fired the heck up at the moment. Feel that! Yes, I'm, feel, I'm feeling it. Thank you, Daniel Bryan. Uh, what do we got for you? We got another loaded show this week. Looking at everything I just mentioned, a fertile time, an important time with the WWE SmackDown move to Fox and the launch of AEW coming. Wow. I, I feel good. I feel really good. Let's find out if my co-host is having some of that, if he's drinking the juice, if he's hearing Jimmy on the same level. As the host of this show. In this Campbell podcast. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. You are well-dressed and tanned and Greek. And we love you. All right, let me bring in that guy that we're talking about here. He is my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. He never met a take he wasn't willing to explore. Good, bad, or ugly, he brings it. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. What was that intro? Uh, You're willing to go there. You're willing to take a bad take if you have to, and you believe in it. You're willing to go out on that limb, all right? I never meditate? Uh, No, bad take. Bad take. Oh, I thought you said he never meditates. No, never meditates, especially since he paid people to remove the hot tub. From his brand new house. <laughs> All right. Thank oh, you. Got, you're, you're messing it up again, Brian. Always twisting things. Got paid. Well, I Silver King, either way, people don't want to hear about you in a hot tub. They don't want to hear about you meditating. They want to hear whether you are willing to take the blue pill or the red pill. I don't know what color the pills are. Are you really? Are you ready to be optimistic and excited? Is your world right now as popping and juicy as mine as it pertains to this genre that we already give way too much time in watching, investigating, arguing, all that stuff? First of all, I don't think you should cast wide assumptions about our listening audience. There's a portion that may very well want to see Silver King in a hot tub, but we'll leave that for another day. Uh, Brian, look, um, what I saw from professional wrestling over the last seven days since we last spoke, since we last did this podcast, I should say, uh, it, I, it, I, I may not sound fired up. That's just because I haven't really slept in the last two weeks. But other than that, the milk of Marknesia is flowing. The under juice is boiling. And this is the best week, top to bottom, all-encompassing WWE, NJPW, 
AEW doesn't really exist yet. NXT 205 Live. This is one of the best weeks of professional wrestling that we have had in quite some time. And I'll be honest, if you left Raw and SmackDown this week not happy with the direction that WWE is going, then you got something wrong with you. There's always things to nitpick. We will do that in this show. Um, the women's division in particular, I'm having major issues. But other than that, Brian, I got five hours of quality, quality WWE TV that I watched from like 11 you know, p.m. to 2 a.m. each night because I was out doing work stuff and I got home late and I had to be prepared for the show. So in order to keep me up and have me not fast forward through matches, the product had to be good. And guess what? It was. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's interesting because I got I'm so fired up right now for all the reasons we're about to break down. But, you know, I still get DMs from people that are like, oh, my God, you know, that one segment, man, they just don't get it. And I and I'm of the belief this, Adam, when things are good, when things are rolling, when the intention is there, when they are trying to pop us, when they are clearly experimenting which WWE Raw and SmackDown is doing right now and trying to make a better world that we all live in here as 40-something men watching other men in their underwear. Um, I'm willing to forgive a lot. Yeah. Maybe we're not as willing when we slog through it every week and go, damn, why can't this be like the old days? Why can't this be like NXT? Why can't this be like Japon? Then maybe it's a little easier to just go, you know what? That thing also sucked. But everyone else out there that is DMing me, texting me, if you have that access, um, back the F up. Enjoy. Drink this drink. Adam, I never want to make this about me. So the point I'm going to say is going to get misinterpreted as BC banging his own chest and, and, and saying it's about me. But Adam, right now, this week, two weeks out or a week and a half out from SummerSlam, whatever it is, I'm so damn excited about WWE proper. Probably as excited as I've been in two summers since 2017. Nick yourself and myself were doing this show that run from Great Balls of Fire in July through SummerSlam, even in, through that September pay-per-view that had Cena Reigns, was just a real fun-ass stretch where they were, they were hitting some notes. They got us really caring. I don't think I've cared on that level in two years. And I certainly have not cared even remotely close since exactly one year ago, Adam, and those dirty, filthy <laughs> Brooklyn bedsheets that was actually a boutique hotel in Manhattan, not that anyone really cares. But here's the point, Adam. I don't say this to try to say that, that, um, that I had any role in this. Outside of I was brave enough to stand firm and say, you know what? F my relationships business-wise. F my relationships with my listeners. If I have to offend you, I'm going to do it now for the sake of our time that we put in, for the sake of content, for the sake of everything that's holy in this genre. This organization is not trying. They're putting something out that they know a certain amount of the population would pop. But in the end, it's safe. It's predictable. It's not worthy of SummerSlam. And they're not trying. And since them dirty bedsheets, Adam, I think you would agree this has been one of the darker stretches. Yes, we had some really good Ronda Rousey. We had the launch of the man. We had Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. We had some good stuff. But top to bottom, it's been a chore. 
It's been a why do I still do this? It's been why can't they get it? Right now, right now, Adam, they get it. They're trying to clean up those same sheets that I sleep in every night. They're trying to say it's up to us as a people to start making some changes. Change the way we eat. Change the way we treat each other. Change the way we book this thing. Right now is everything that last SummerSlam wasn't. It's fresh and it's new, and I feel like anything could happen at any time. I didn't have a role in that. Money and ratings did. It's obvious. We know it, but that's fine. But, Adam, you must sit there and tell me the damn truth that how you feel right now and the excitement you have for what SummerSlam could look like in two weekends is polar opposite of that SummerSlam in 2018 in Brooklyn that you sat here and told our listeners was more than fine and adequate. Well, no, because you're you gave the right take, but you gave it at the wrong time because you had just attended a very good pay-per-view that was exciting. The fans were excited. Everyone wanted to hear us talk about how good it was. No. And you just trashed the entire thing and trashed the entire WWE product. It ended up, and we've had this conversation, and really, man, a year later, I don't know why we're litigating it again, the, the comments you made were accurate. Uh, instant analysis one hour after a very good pay-per-view was not the time it, they did not give you the ammunition for what you were firing that night at that time now over the over the ensuing months yes everything you said ended up being true but we kind of knew that but to come off of a good pay-per-view and crap on it when it was actually good was wrong and our listeners told you that there was a movement to make it you know, at the time in this corner with Adam Silverstein, there was a lot of interest there. Um, look, now a year hey, later, there's still time. There's still time for that. Now, now a year later, they WWE has me very excited for their product. But if I'm being totally honest, I'm not particularly excited for SummerSlam because they haven't gotten me excited for their next pay per view. What They're, I'm excited. I'm excited about the storylines. I'm excited about, you know, upcoming matches and where things are going to go. I'm really excited to turn into Raw and SmackDown next week. But in my mind, next week's Raw and SmackDown, I don't, I'm not thinking those are the go-home shows to SummerSlam because just last week I had a Raw reunion show that was worthless. Um, and they're not really, they, they, every single feud, not every feud, but many of the feuds that they're jump-starting for this show started like this week or within the last three weeks. And as we properly criticized them a few weeks ago, they didn't really make a lot of sense. Like the Natalia and Ember Moon, they're getting better. They're telling those stories. But usually when you head into WrestleMania, when you head into SummerSlam, there are stories that have been developed over, you know, either months or six weeks at a minimum that you're, that you're rolling in. I got to see, this freaking match. I don't have to see Becky Lynch, well, Natalia. I don't have to even see Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. I'll agree with the tone of what you're saying, but you, you do have to understand that this is, has been a, a unique situation and circumstance where they're sort of stopped a lot of the plans that weren't that good and are trying to kickstart new ones that are in almost a record turnaround time. And, yes, you made the great point on the Raw reunion kind of being a sore thumb in the middle of that. 
But I don't see how you couldn't be excited and fired up about SummerSlam because you said last year SummerSlam was very good. Then you changed it to good. And I think the problem was that it was just good. <laughs> it just said very good. Like well, you twice. said very yeah. good, and then you changed it to good on the next sentence. But my point is this. It was very good. It was really just good on a pay-per-view that needs to be excellent. And it was safe. And it was everything that the last two nights on WWE wasn't. They took chances. They tried crap. They dropped Easter eggs. They did a lot of things that they just weren't doing last year. And I think that's my ultimate difference in point. Um, I am a little surprised that you aren't, like, fired up. Well, no. This is, what you're, this is what I think you're missing. I am fired up for the product. I'm excited for Raw and SmackDown this week. They just haven't really sold to me that SummerSlam is important. They haven't sold me that SummerSlam is any different from Backlash, which they didn't do this year, or no Way Out, which they don't really do. I don't know why I'm naming those particular pay-per-views. But you get my point. They're not telling me that SummerSlam is any different than Stomping Grounds, where SummerSlam should be built up like WrestleMania. They say it's our second WrestleMania. It's our the biggest party of the summer. It's our second biggest pay-per-view. We go that extra runtime. We give you a takeover. We have fan access, right? And I'm going into SummerSlam like it's just another monthly pay-per-view. So I'm not saying I'm not excited for it. What I'm saying is the product has me going. The milk of Marknesia is flowing. The underjuice is boiling, as I said earlier. But for their product, not necessarily for their next pay-per-view. Now, we have Go Home Raw. They got three hours on Monday. And we got Go Home SmackDown, two hours on Tuesday, to get me fired up for the pay-per-view. That's a weird delineation to make there, right. Silver King. Because right. Monday and Tuesday were great. And all it did was get me fired up for SummerSlam. But, uh, you know... Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how much happened on Monday and Tuesday that were specifically about SummerSlam. For example, I think everything. I think everything that oh, happened. No, on Monday. Get into the main event here. We're opening our main event, and you want to do it? You want to hit the button? We can just well, hold on. Of... But everything that happened on Monday and Tuesday was about SummerSlam. They've been announcing matches except left and right. Main top, except our main topic today of someone who doesn't have a match at the show. We don't know who he'd wrestle, right? And they're not. But guess what he was about to announce? His SummerSlam match. So really, Adam, I don't understand that take, but I don't want to linger on it. I will remove the black lining from the silver cloud that you attempted. We got to get into the main event. We got to mark out here, Adam Silver King. Okay. Don't don't play yourself. Don't outsmart yourself. Just pop. Hit it. For what we're about to give people, what we're about to talk about. Hit my damn music, Brian. What are we doing? Let's go. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. I, I do. Not I, that one. I, I do want to. I do. Apparently you don't based on our conversations, but yeah. Why? Just because she's bad at she's not good at her job? I mean, it doesn't mean she's not hot, you know? Driven. All right. All right. Here we go. This is the main event. All right. Well, that unnamed man, I'm sure you guys all know who we're talking about, is Roman Reigns, who despite not having a match for SummerSlam or, in my opinion, a clear direction for the company's second biggest pay-per-view of the year, basically main-evented both Raw and SmackDown, Brian. And I think it's the first time I can tell you I was happy to see Roman Reigns' quote-unquote main event, meaning be in the last segment of both uh, both of WWE's weekly shows. Obviously, it started Monday night with what was billed all night as a Samoan Summit. Never happened. Instead, it was a... Six man, seven, eight man brawl with Cedric Alexander. Hey, I want to stop you right there. There's no need to even talk about what happened on Raw, Adam. The biggest story of the week is what happened in the final 10 seconds of SmackDown. I mean, you think it is, but yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Well, look, 
I didn't even like the ending of Raw. A lot of people jumped in my DMs and did. That's fine. I almost just throw that conversation out the window because it doesn't seem like it matters anymore. Roman Reigns was set to close what was already a friggin' fantastic two hours of SmackDown Live. Okay, maybe not a uh, 10 out of a 10 in the Attitude Era, but for what we've been getting, it was fantastic with the announcement of his SummerSlam direction. You think coming in it's got to be Samoa Joe based on the night before, and then, of course, we never see it because he gets a scaffolding, lighting rig type deal pushed onto him. Speakers are flying. And I really liked the attention to detail here, Adam, that the scaffolding in this likely pre-taped segment falls on some road cases leaving like a foot where Roman could have laid down and survived in this freak accident. He's lucky to be alive. He pops up. He refuses medical. He pushes off the EMTs. He confusingly walks down the hall, and then the broadcast goes off the air. We're all thinking, that's Samoa Joe. I checked Twitter. Some people hated it. I don't, I don't see how. Our good well, buddy, it, was, it was very campy. I, I mean, loved it. They tried something different. It was campy. All right? I loved it because it was different, and it was a- anything but what we thought it was going to be, which is Roman walking up to a mic and calling out Samoa Joe. I turned off the broadcast not seeing what everybody else saw. Our good buddy Jack Crosby jumped in my DMs and said, bro, did you see this? Adam, I replayed the last 10 seconds of SmackDown. And from the moment I saw the last 10 seconds of SmackDown, from the moment we saw him, we thought, sex. Adam... Thank you, Sasha. Was that what I thought it was? If that in the black T-shirt with the white sleeves, or maybe it's the other way around, doesn't matter. If that was Buddy freaking Murphy standing in front of Roman Reigns. Um... I'm going to make a statement right now, Adam. How disappointed are you going to be when it's not? I'm going to make a statement right now. Because people get the wrong impression about me. What do I love? Redeeming the time. What do I love? Great wrestling. If it happens to be AEW that's giving it to me, I'll support them. If WWE in the Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff new era, which is really the let's not piss off, Fox era because they put a billion dollars into this. If they are giving me Roman Reigns, Buddy Murphy at SummerSlam in 2019, I don't think I even need to be there for the launch of AEW. I don't even think I need to watch AEW because right here, right now, this is everything that I need in my life. Everything, Adam. I don't want to come back down. From this cloud. Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. It's taking me all this time. Adam, we can debate who it may have been or may not have been. Was Buddy Murphy randomly in the background and it was a coincidence? Is it a tease to try to trick us and to wait to see the reaction? I don't know. But there's a screenshot on Twitter of the FedEx Arena or Forum, whatever it's called in Memphis on Monday, of a shot of the big screen. I'm not sure if it happened on Main Event or 205 Live or in a commercial break. But Buddy Murphy came out with the microphone and apparently cut some kind of promo wearing the same shirt that you saw 
the cryptic silhouette of at the end of that show. Adam, let's live in this planet right now for the next two minutes. <laughs> that it is Roman Reigns' Buddy Murphy. Who's Buddy Murphy? Um, WWE's equivalent to Kenny Omega. And he really is. And if you think that's preposterous and you're not woke, revisit his collaborations on 205 Live, okay? The guy's freaking gold. I don't know what happened with him and Alexa. But she lost in this transaction, okay? I said that. In fact, I may enter this transaction. The point is this, Adam. This is everything that WWE wasn't. This is taking a young guy, not bringing back HBK, who I actually wanted against Ziggler. We'll talk about that. Not bringing back Kane. Not bringing back Goldberg. They're taking someone untapped and not putting him out there in a spot to ruin them. No, they could be rushing him out there at the second biggest show of the year against Roman Reigns in a match that could be a five-star freaking match for all we know. He's a guy we want. He's the Mark's favorite wrestler. And they may throw him out there against the damn big dog. And starting it by this somewhat creative feud of pushing this lighting rig and trying to kill him. And if you're sitting here going, you're crazy, BC. It's all a big coincidence. Um, SmackDown two weeks ago had that weird town hall with Shane McMahon that I enjoyed. And it kind of connects the dots in the storyline. Roman interrupting Shane and being a dick and walking out. And then Buddy Murphy almost acting like Shane Soldier, being like, oh, you hate KO, I'll take him out for you. It's all making sense, Adam. This is my drink of choice. This is what I need in my life. I'm pouring it in every orifice right now as we speak. Mm -hmm. Are you going to the bar, though, belly up and saying, I'll have what he's having? Well, it depends. are you asking me to live in this world where I believe this is true? I'm asking your opinion of if this is true. Yeah, so I think I think there's legitimate reasons to think so. I uh, I missed it. I, I didn't see Buddy Murphy initially when I watched this. Obviously, Roman Reigns is walking away, SmackDown's ending, that you kind of look, hey, where's my control? You know, I want to hit stop on the DVR record. I want to change the channel. That's what I did. Brian, you alerted me to it today. Hey, make sure you watch until the final second of SmackDown. And I did see that. And it was clearly Buddy Murphy. He's wearing the baseball shirt and it's the red hair. It's the same guy, right? On SmackDown, they linger. Roman walks away. Buddy Murphy is to the right a little bit, and it lingers on him, and then it fades to black. When I first tried to watch this, I went to WWE's YouTube channel, and I pulled up the exact same segment, and they had it in full, except they ended it as soon before Roman even turned his back to the camera, meaning they cut out the entire last scene. You don't see Buddy Murphy. You don't see... Anything like that. So to me, if they wanted to give an Easter egg of Buddy Murphy and have fans talking about it all week and then reveal it on Monday or Tuesday next week, you leave that scene in your YouTube cut of it. Or, Adam, is it smarter to take it out and really try to see who's the smart ones? And I think floating Buddy Murphy out there during commercial or however he was there in the arena is also a really well-planted Easter egg to see how many people are connecting these dots. I mean, Adam, is tell me the truth, yes or no. Is this everything we would want from WWE? Forget how good Buddy Murphy is. Forget how well this would counteract against Roman. Just the idea that you tune into Raw and SmackDown because you're not sure what's going to happen next. Even when we have good moments, it's absurdly predictable. Many times. How many times do you and I do these pay-per-view previews where we go on these runs of booking... You know what would actually be cool? 
I mean, right. people, uh, people ripped me. I created some weird trying love triangle with uh, that was weird, though. That was weird. Lacey was... Evans. But you know what? It would have been something you didn't see coming. The Attitude Era. I'm not here to say bring back the F word and the, all the sex and all that. The attitude, the attitude Era was Vince Russo going, "Yo, bro, let's create another swerve. Every night has to end with a swerve." It was swerve after swerve on purpose. But the point and of that. You don't have to do that. Is you can even you can do a PG version of the Attitude Era as long as you have people always guessing, not knowing what's to come. Having it's what NXT has trained us to do in this one little thing. Let me tell you, every takeover when it ends, do you wait until you finally yes. see the credits? Because yes, Tommaso Ciampa is going to run in from somewhere and, and attack Johnny Gargano. We're trained to believe that they will send us not home just regular happy, but erected. All right, Adam. All right. To, like getting ready to go camping because the tent is so large. That's what happened on Tuesday night. It was a reminder that this genre, sometimes it can be Shakespearean, as Nick Costos would say, but sometimes it could just be good old cliffhanging, who done it? Let's go to the water cooler the next day on this damn podcast and try to figure out who the suspects are and are the and really debate. Are they smarter than we are for once? Are they smarter than we are? This week they were. They know what I want. If they book it this way and if they give it to us, if they give us what we want, if they do that, then yes, it's fantastic. Even though, Brian, we know the predictable outcome at SummerSlam, which is probably a great match, a four-star match between these guys. Buddy Murphy gets an absolute ton of shine. And then right before he hits his finisher, Roman hits the Superman punch in the spear, and he wins. I'm just saying we know the end. If that, that doesn't matter, though. That doesn't matter. And I got a lot of those DMs. It does not matter. We don't even know that to be true. And it does not matter. Can we just can we eat it? It's like you telling me, I got the best pizza place ever down here in, uh, in uh, Boca or Fort Lauderdale, B.C. Would not say but that. But you're going to be crapping your pants within three minutes of taking the last bite. I'm still eating that pizza, Adam. I'm enjoying the crap out of it, all right? I'm just, telling you that, I'm just telling you that you're getting really excited about something, and I'm knowing you, I'm very concerned if Monday night, like, the show opens with a promo from Samoa Joe, you're damn right I did that, Roman. You got to watch your back, and you're just like, oh, man, I'm it's not another a Samoa Joe match. You know like, how I... upset are you going to be? How, how, how you're, you're raising your expectations so high. Am that I? Or am, I that, am I taking this moment? If it's, if, it's, if it's not Buddy Murphy, Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, how disappointed are you going to be? Here's if the, it's Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. This isn't how, a lesson about being a pro wrestling fan. This is a lesson about life. Do you know what I did last night? Woke up in the middle of the night to get a drink. Was fired up about this. Woke up this morning. Gung ho for wrestling. Yahoo for school. Like, fired up. Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm living my best life. The endorphins are popping. Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns are wrestling in my brain. Actually, they're wrestling in more areas. The mega powers are about to explode in my pants right now. Um, if it turns out not to be, will I be upset? Yeah. But guess what, Adam? I'm popping right now. And it's you're right, not. Man, so you're, don't take... Well, no, it's not that I'm not, man, but I am concerned for you. I am concerned that you have built this thing up. And I hope you're right. I hope this is what it is. It would be great booking. I love the tie-in from the summit that they had or whatever it was, the, the you know open speaking engagement, whatever. Airing of the grievances. Yeah, which really wasn't, and it didn't live up to even our expectations of that because of how badly they booked Kevin Owens within that situation. 
Um, and it would be a great tie, and it would make total sense that Shane hires Murphy to go do this, and Shane's this manacle, you know, backstage guy, you know, son of the owner and whatever. But simultaneously, we also have a match that is for, with Kevin Owens trying to, you know, Owens might quit if he loses, but the whole point is to get Shane McMahon off the screen. So if they do get Shane McMahon off the screen, but then he's the guy who hired Buddy Murphy to attack Roman Reigns, then he's still not gone. So it's just like, I'm not all the way there with you for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't get the opportunity to marinate on this overnight like you did. I, you showed me this an hour before the show. It's something I missed. Two, I just, I don't think it's unfair to say that I have been beaten down my booking expectations for WWE for so long that I just almost don't want to believe they would do something as good as give Buddy Murphy the freaking rub of Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. I want to be there with you. I am excited if it does come to fruition. If next week they book that match and it's on the show and it opens SummerSlam, that's the first match. Oh my God, it's going to be the first match. How about the last match, Adam? How about just make that the main event? It won't be the main event. But my Roman point Reigns is, and Joe got to be the main event without a title in Philly yeah, that time. Was, yeah, that was not good. Uh, and they got booed out of the building. Um, and fans left the building too. My point is, I want to be there with you, but I haven't had the time, nor do I have the inclination to kind of say, oh yeah, WWE's definitely doing that. I'm giving them all the credit in the world. I'm putting everything in their basket for them to you know, make me really pleased seven days from now. Instead, I'm being cautiously optimistic. And you think that's like hating and being a cloud? That's why I mentioned that's it's not fair. about wrestling. It's, it's about fair. life. My, my perspective on this is fair. It's about life. It's actually not about wrestling. It's about, Adam, expect the best in life. Because guess what? done that and we've been very disappointed okay but you're going to be disappointed anyway so why not live in the world of expectations and believing that good things will happen to you even as a wrestling fan so here's so the deal me, I, I want to understand something though so you're thinking that everything with samoa joe what they did two weeks ago what they did to end raw on monday night all a swerve just well here's they're, the they're, deal with that i'm hoping that they're smart enough joe to use that as a smoke screen that we assumed it was going to be Joe this week. And then they didn't know how smart people were going to be to see that figure in the background. And and maybe this is a test. Maybe they go back to Joe. We don't know. But the whole point is, I could believe it, it was a smokescreen because this feud doesn't seem to need to happen right now. They already did this, and they aborted it, and it wasn't that great. There's no title at stake. There was no big turning point moment of Roman getting beaten to near death where now he's got to avenge it. It's a little convoluted. Adam, Monday night, the end of Raw... I know people on my timeline loved it. It was it probably was one of the lower moments for me. Like, do I like Cedric Alexander jumping off the roof? Yeah. But at the same time, there's like 12 people running out there that have no affiliation with each other. Unnecessary. We never even got the Samoa showdown or whatever the heck it was supposed to be. So here's the deal. They want us to believe it's Samoa Joe. If it turns out it's Samoa Joe, yeah. I'm going to be like, man, you missed the opportunity. But this ain't six months ago. This ain't last month. This ain't inside those bed sheets where one sweaty man, man, had the courage, had the courage to stand up for his listeners. And to stand up for his listeners, he had to stand against his listeners. And by the way, the people came around in the end. But the point is this. It's a new dawn right now, whether it's Heyman and Bischoff or not. And at this point, Adam, I don't care. Do you want to know why we obsess about the dirt sheets? Do you want to know why we obsess about how the sausage is made? This is really similar to, to being a boxing fan or journalist. In boxing, traditionally, you don't get the fights you really want and deserve. 
So right. what do you do? You obsess over the business of why things aren't happening, of which promoters don't play well together, of this fighter saying this and did he mean it or was he lying? And in the end, that becomes your day-to-day, week-to-week drama because you're not getting the fights you want. It's really no different than covering Raw and SmackDown. We obsess over the rags, the Meltzers, the PWIs, all those people who may or may not have that inside track of what really happened. Do you know what I don't want to be doing? Well, I never want to be hearing spoilers, A, so F you, dirt rags. B, I don't want to be in the business of, of reading these, these guys, all right? I know they make a living on it. It's their job. Sometimes they entertain me. It's fine. I want to be watching the product and be entertained and believe that anything can happen. It's a new dawn right now. Buddy Murphy actually could happen with the way things felt like on Monday and Tuesday night. May not be. It's not going to wreck me, though, because right now I'm high off of it. All right. I'm flying high off of it. Okay, I'm talking to Samson off of it and it feels damn good because Buddy Murphy is our Omega. All right. And maybe I'll believe that he could be the alpha and go over Reigns. Another topic for another day. Adam, if it's not, buddy, it could be a default, Joe. Would be disappointing to me. But how about this? A lot of people saying makes too much sense not to be Daniel Bryan. All right? They publicized on SmackDown that Daniel Bryan would come out and finally give this career-altering explanation, whatever. He no-sells it again. He lingers backstage. We never see him again. If they're running out Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan in some kind of grudge feud at SummerSlam in a rematch of their 2015 Fastlane bout, that's a gift. I'm popping for that. You you, you think we're going in that direction at all? No, I don't think it's Daniel Bryan. But even again, if it's Daniel Bryan or if it's Buddy Murphy, are you really okay with a one-week build for a SummerSlam match with your biggest star in the company? Yes. Because of the climate, because of the unique climate right now where where everything has sucked and now they're switching everything up to try to make it better. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think me feeling underwhelmed about the entire thing is is a totally legitimate opinion to have. I, I, I'm not going to take criticism from you for saying that, look, I think the possibilities here are great, but you can't just say to me, hey, wrestling fan, I'm going to give you, you know, 30 seconds at the end of a SmackDown and expect you to really care who that opponent is one week from now at our second biggest show of the year. It would need, it would have needed to have been even more dramatic than it was. Then Kayla just like, he almost killed him. How dramatic do you want it? He almost killed him. As you said, it was clearly obvious and they did it on purpose that there were the road cases there on below the scaffolding. You have Kayla screaming like Roman Reigns just got shot backstage um, the you know the EMTs running after him. The guys the guy's a, an athlete. He's he wasn't laying under rubble. He was laying by himself. He was shaken up, obviously uh, mentally, but everything else was physically fine with him. It would need to be a little bit more dramatic for me to fully buy in that. Oh my God, this is something I need to see. But look, if seven days from yesterday, which this is Wednesday, every time we tape, they come out and say it's Buddy Murphy, and it fulfills. What you and I have been begging them to do, which is not just use Buddy Murphy, put him in something that matters against someone who matters. And yeah, he probably won't go over, but imagine if he did, right? That would be incredible. So it fills a lot of the holes and feel spots, for lack of a better term, that are missing for us right now. But I don't think it's unfair to say, like, just like I'm not criticizing you for get, getting overly excited, 
I don't think you need to criticize me for saying like, look, I don't know whether that was him, whether that was just a coincidence that he was walking backstage. But I mean, listen, we've been talking about it for 20 minutes and it very well could be Samoa Joe. And I'm, I'm personally, if it's Samoa Joe before this conversation, I would have been like, yeah, not that inspired, but it'll probably be a good match. You, I feel like you're gonna, like you're gonna cry about it. I have no, a feeling. No, I'm not. I'm, 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 I believe. Adam, you have to let your heart love. You have oh. to be ready to uh, to embrace this. I already feel like you're setting yourself up to fail. You're already like, well, if it is Buddy Murphy, then it'll be rushed. No, if it's Buddy Murphy in any incarnation, it's good. All right, I just want to say I don't want to see you put the dark cloud on the silver lining anymore. I want to see you open your heart to what wrestling could be. Don't expect the worst, or you'll get it, Adam. I'm telling you that right now. Hey, quick little jump in here from one of our people who are hurting at the moment. Kentucky Long Rifle. It is an email. Hey, you know our good buddy from down under, Adam, at Mick underscore Johnston. I think I've heard of him. Yeah, great guy, right? Probably could have been in a, in a different universe on the Rushmore. Maybe he's on the All Oceanic Mount Rushmore. Okay, <laughs> he says, "Hey, BC, it's been a rough week and a half for me. I've been laid up with meningitis. Wow, wow." And he adds, "If I can get the sound bite fast enough, he adds that it has made him and it makes me violently ill to my stomach." And he is only just on the mend. Last week's pod provided me, says Mick. With some all-important performance-enhancing audio, thank you, as always, to you and SK for the top-shelf show. Preamble over, BC, could you be right about Murphy and Reigns at SummerSlam? Uh, He drops the reference to the sound drop of We Thought Sex, which we all did, and here's what he says. The thought of WWE strapping the rocket to Buddy Murphy's back has me all kinds of fired up. Then I thought, what if he actually went over? Then I thought, what if he actually went over clean? Maybe it's the meds. Maybe we're destined for something else. But he echoes my Bush-like statement by saying he doesn't want to come back down from this cloud. Adam, he's an Australian boy, so I could get his extra level of enthusiasm. But I'm going to double down on you and say not only am I expecting that to be Murph, it may be time. It may be time to actually use Roman Reigns' star to aid someone else. I know Cena was super Cena. It was time at WrestleMania to do it with Drew McIntyre. I know Cena super Cena'd us for about a decade, but eventually he started putting others over. Could you imagine if Eric Bischoff, and again, I know the dirt rags say he's only got this much power on creative. I don't care. I don't want your sausage, and I certainly don't want to watch your sausage being made. But what if Bischoff walks into Vince's office and says, Vince, thank you for giving me my one more chance. Yeah, I was bankrupt a couple years ago. We got it. We got Look, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm moving to Stanford. I'm leaving Cody Wyoming for this. But we got to break out of what we've been doing, this, this predictable jazz, okay? I love Roman. He's going to be wearing the belt again when he wrestles Rollins at, at WrestleMania next year. But for right now, you got to give me a new superstar that we can push. One who screams sex. Every time a dog barks. Vince says Buddy Murphy is what you're saying. Yes. Could Vince McMahon's idea is what could you're, Mick is what Johnston be right? That Eric Bischoff walked in there and said, before I sign this for real, before I take your money, I need this. No. Down under. This in my is... pants. I need this. What is going on in the show? Adam? Like 30 minutes on an almost potentially fake Roman Reigns Buddy Murphy feud. That's how we began the Live show. Live it. Live it. All right. I got one more theory for you. All right. 
Here's the final <laughs> Buddy Murphy theory. It's not Buddy. It's not Samoa Joe. It's not Daniel Bryan. What do you make, Adam, of that cryptic conversation on Raw backstage between Maria and Braun Strowman that went nowhere in which she essentially was like, you're a man, act like a man. And she kind of challenged him to go kill a man to prove his manhood. And he made a face that was like, you know what? You're right. I haven't killed a man in a while. I'm going to go kill a man. Here is something, Adam, you might not be able to understand. It might be Braun Strowman on Tuesday who tried to kill a man. Why wouldn't I understand that? You know, it's less, even less um, because it's a, yeah, imaginative than Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman. And then turning Braun Strowman heel again, just like Big Show, where, God forbid, they ever spend more than four months heel or face without changing back. Even less inspired than Samoa Joe would be Braun Strowman. It, this is just garbage. I really hope, you know what? You, this is what you've done. You have now made it. Or if it's anyone but Buddy Murphy or maybe Daniel Bryan. Give me Daniel Bryan. Give me Daniel Bryan. I'm going to be insanely disappointed. Because I would I would have been excited for Samoa Joe. Because even though I know it wouldn't have been an amazing match, and even though I know Roman Reigns would have gone over again, I like Samoa Joe so much that I'm happy to see him on my television, and I'm happy for him to be in a singles match at a major pay-per-view like SummerSlam. But now, yeah, if it's Samoa Joe, I'm going to sit there and be like, well, I was thinking Buddy Murphy now. I was thinking Daniel Bryan. I was thinking anything else of minor interest that's not something I've seen before. I mean, look, again, I'm going to repeat myself. We've just spent 25 minutes talking about Damn right. something that I hope happens, but really right now does not have much relevance to the week of WWE that we just had. What's relevance? It was the biggest story of the week, Adam. And if it's not, buddy, Man, near or far, wherever you week. are, your heart will go on, Adam, okay? The thing everyone was talking about this week was not a – a faded background Buddy Murphy, maybe, you know, last night, you're saying all week, it's just happened last night, possibly toppling something on Roman Reigns. The thing everyone was talking about this week was Brock Lesnar beating the holy hell out of Seth Rollins. Yeah, number, That's number two biggest about. story in, of wrestling in the week. I agree with you. And by the way, how, again, I understand, like, why they had this Reigns, Joe, OC, Usos, Cedric Alexander thing. I don't. This, this convoluted mess. I understand why they maybe had it on the show in some part, but why would that be after Brock Lesnar returning to beat the hell out of Seth Rollins? That, to me, was the biggest moment of the show, and honestly, I didn't even think it was that remarkable, but people on Twitter were losing their minds Adam, over it. it was monstrously remarkable. Tell me why. Yeah, tell me why it was so good. It was great because it – I'm going to say this. Like – Dean Ambrose attacking Seth Rollins on the night Roman Reigns has cancer, and we go, oh, my God, Vince is edgy as balls. He still has it. It was on an already pretty edgy Raw show, which in this Heyman era is getting you fired up that we're edging closer to PG-13 and beyond. Um, this was really edgy, okay? We may see hard ways and blade jobs. We don't see internal bleeding. And when you see internal bleeding, and obviously it's a blood capsule. And by the way, I've said this for years, too. I love blading because it's old school. If you want to do blood capsules, fine. I'm not against that. Please save people's foreheads. Save hepatitis B. But, Adam, it was in your face. 
and it was edgy as balls, and he kept going back for more, and Seth took some legitimately hard bumps in that process to sell this, and Seth, as a salesman, holy crap, he went for it, and I had people like my good buddy Josh texting me going, you know what, that was too far, but I loved it, and I had people sliding into my damn DMs. Adam, have you ever heard of a man called Unruly at Wolfpack's own? No. Either have I. He's, I guess he's trying to become a member of this family. Here's what he says. I'm going to keep it real with you watching last night's Raw and seeing what Brock Lesnar did to R- Seth Rollins. It made my stomach feel woozy, even though I know it was most likely a blood pack of some kind coughing and spitting up blood really made my stomach feel weird, man. But in all honesty, that's the best way to use Brock Lesnar. Y'all on this show are always talking about if they're going to have Brock, don't just have Heyman up there talking about how he's going to disembowel someone and emasculate them while Brock's just standing there. Have Brock put hands on somebody and actually do it. They're finally letting him loose. I mean, he's called the beast. Let him do beastly things. If they're going to use Brock Lesnar for things like this, I can get behind it. It makes him seem like the ruthless animal that they portray him as. Oh, and Unruly has a PS that popped me. PS. I don't know if you guys are caught up on NXT. Dear Unruly. Editor's note, we're going to catch you up on it on the show in a second. But can we please get the zipper sound effect for Io Shirai in the leather pants? Oh, yeah, Brandy. I'm all in on that. Thanks. How about that DM from Unruly? Heal Io Shirai might be the best thing. Adam... WWE in quite some time. I popped in a lot of different ways. After I read this from Unruly, I went and I watched it. Wow. We'll get to we'll get to Yoshirai. Wow. Um, um so here's the deal, Adam. He's right though. Hey, respond to him. Go for it. Go ahead. respond to not, him. Sorry, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but here's the deal. I'm the one. I'm gonna say it. I am the one who has had that rant about Brock Lesnar that he is responding to. I said, I don't hate the idea of Brock Lesnar. I hate the usage of Brock Lesnar. I hate Brock Lesnar being on my TV, standing there with the title, and then not showing up for six weeks. That is not how they have used Brock Lesnar recently. Yes, he has taken two to three week chunks off, but you know you're going to get that with Brock. But when he comes back, it has mattered in one way or another. Even this attack on Seth Rollins, I didn't particularly love it until, until he grabbed the steel chair. And do you know what he did with the steel chair? He didn't just lay it on the mat. He stood it up. And he gave the F5s to the top backplate of the steel chair. That was unique. That was dirty. That was beastly. That told me this guy's not taking shit from anyone. He's out for blood. And that's what he got from Seth Rollins. So while Brock showing up and beating the hell out of his challenger, we've seen it. He did it to you know Roman Reigns. He did it to Samoa Joe. Big show, that one-legged kid, everyone. He beats the crap out of people. It's always happened. The ruthlessness of this particular one and Seth Rollins showing just a little bit of color, and I have a follow-up question about that to you in a little bit, showing just a little bit of color was perfect. He showed a good amount of color. Did you see when he opened his mouth? His mouth was full with it. Yeah, but I mean, like, it wasn't all over the canvas. And, no, it was know. all over the canvas. He was spitting he up was in the ring. Spitting it out. He was, it was spittle. It was droplets. It wasn't much. So, but you, why don't you ask me that follow-up question you have? Because I got a rant you know for you. It is? You have a feeling you know what it is? Or no? 
Is it based upon your tweet? Yeah. That people, that whoever that man was that rightfully stood up for the honor of the other side of that take? Uh, no, I mean, most, the vast majority of people agreed with me. But my tweet was Vince McMahon on an earnings call or whatever it was uh, for WWE. I quarter, think quarter, two. Two, quarter two. Quarter two earnings call. Uh, basically, the, he was asked about AEW. And he said, look, he goes, we are going to try to get edgier, but we're going to stick within the realm of PG. We're not going to do what our newest competitor is going to do with all the gory blood and guts stuff. Gory and then, crap was his, was his thing. Crap, sure. Uh, and then people are calling him hypocrite because now a week later, Rollins is spitting up a little bit of blood on the show. To me, I don't find him to be hypocritical at all. I think there is a massive difference between a huge gash opening on someone's head and an entire ring being filled with blood and doing uh, the type of match that Joey Janela and John Moxley had. I think there's a huge difference between that and showing a little bit of color on the third hour of Monday Night Raw. That is one of the worst things that you've ever said on this podcast. Adam, it's massively hypocritical. But here's the deal. It was awesome. So we can live in both worlds where the segment ruled. It was edgy. It was like 90s. It was great. And that's 100% hypocritical. Go back and look at Vince's words. He's basically saying we've graduated from that gory crap. We don't, you know, we've evolved from that. He was graduated, I think. Yeah. We've evolved from that, essentially, is what he's saying. And they went right back to it. And here's the deal. That it's gory not- crap rules. Because guess what? This is a simulated fight. And to get the true emotion over of why you should care about tuning in and buying a pay-per-view, you often have to go to this level to really hammer it home. And this is something WWE in the last year, in the Dirty Bedsheet era, Adam, simply has not done, which is give us reason to care about the feuds. Every feud has been a rehash, or this guy ran in and beat up him, but there's no explanation. It's the same BS. It used to be, I'm either fighting you because you got the belt, or I'm fighting you because I needed to get your attention, and to do that, I had to beat up your dad, I had to say something inappropriate to your wife, or I had to straight up just jump you in the parking lot and break your leg against the car window, four horsemen on Dusty style. And they always bled. And I know what era we're in. Vince went right back to that to put it over. And guess what? He kind of had to, Adam. Because if they run back Seth Brock at SummerSlam, you know what I'm going to be saying is what I said last week. Brock got beat too easily at Mania. And then he cashed in after some weird handling of the briefcase where he should have cashed in ahead of Saudi, but for some reason didn't. So he kind of didn't look that strong in the process. This is a return to making him look strong, to reestablishing Rollins as a babyface who you're going to cheer for as a babyface rather than cheer for him wishing he would turn heel again because we know that's the best of him. This accomplished everything, and it was gory. Do you know I had people DM and multiple texting me going, Man, that was some edgy stuff. That got me. I was feeling gross watching that. I mean, I think it was edgy. I don't think it was gory. There is a massive difference between a blood capsule in someone's mouth and a couple droplets on a canvas and Ric Flair, you know, back in the day with a a red head of blonde hair or Cody twice in as many events, one covering an entire canvas and his brother in blood, the other one a huge gash, which apparently they say was that whether it wasn't. On the back of the head, it is drastically it's different. It's the same thing at its core. If it's you can't the exact see that same. difference, 
If you can't see the difference, you're being obtuse on purpose. Adam, if you can't see the difference of internal bleeding to understand that it's on that level, his mouth and teeth were covered in blood. It's a blood capsule, Brian. I get that, but you're talking about the quote-unquote gory crap and what that image represents to people. Do you know what it represents to us as wrestling fans? Friggin' awesome! But obviously it could turn the stomach of other people the same way Dustin Rhodes blading and going too far and filling the ring with the blood can do the same thing with that crimson mask. You can't sit here and be like, well, Vince didn't cut I gotta tell you, I was... Listen, I was disgusted by that, the Dustin and Cody. This didn't even blip on my radar. That's how drastically different. It's like the difference between, I can't even, I, like, it's the difference between, like, jamming a pinky toe and breaking a, a, your hand. I are mean, you, it's so drastically different. Both, you hurt limbs. Are you calling on really? One, you need surgery. The other one, you wash your mouth out with water. I right, mean, let me put, let me, let me ask you some hard questions. I'm not gonna put you on the stand. I'm not gonna put you on trial. I'm not gonna embarrass you, Adam Silverstein. Are you tried. calling our 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 loyal listener unruly soft? He his stomach was turned. Are you calling my good friend Josh, who texted me that they went too far, and he texted me with ten sirens saying, "I've never seen anything like this before. This was awesome, but I, I mean, do feel gross about it." Are you basically telling Josh this stuff? Let me tell you something, big Josh. You pancake-eating fat boy from the Northwest. He's from the Northeast. But are you telling him that, basically? I don't know. I don't know Josh, but if he's watched wrestling more than five years, he's seen that before. I mean, many times. WWE's done it re- more recently. I mean, I don't know what to tell you guys. It's, it, it was great. Yes, it was edgier. But I didn't find it to be anything out of semi-normal WWE over the last five to ten years it was it certainly was not blood and guts and gory it wasn't it was the it definition was, of gory and it was, it was emblematic of blood but it, i mean there's a huge difference between taking a hard way or blading and covering yourself and your brother and a ring in blood and a blood capsule in someone's mouth in a spot that's engineered to sell a match versus a match itself yeah, but it's, simu- event. it's simulated internal bleeding. You have to understand what that means. Of, of course it did. That's why it was edgy. That's why it was good. That's why, to your point, it sold the match better than them having that same exact situation without the chair moment, which maybe they would have done a week ago or a month ago. That's what they would have done. You'd be like, oh, yeah, he beat him up again. Who cares? Now it's like, whoa, there's some edge here. I'm really excited about it. But to me, that's not hypocritical. That's not gory. Adam, there's I, two sides to every story. You're allowed to have your own opinion. I'm allowed to be right. Let me ask you a question just coming off of Seth, because we're not going to talk about him again. Is it bothering you that basically WWE is, every time they show Seth or Becky, it's back-ended against a segment involving the other one, and they basically transition? Michael Cole did it. Um, Josh, not Josh. I almost called him Josh Matthews. Tom Phillips did it Tuesday night on SmackDown, and they basically say, well, Seth Rollins did whatever. Seth's girlfriend, Becky Lynch, or Becky's boyfriend, Seth Rollins. Is it bothering you that they're doing that? Yeah, it's lame. We had the match already. We had the mixed match. Unless you are having them go to the ring with each other, getting each other's back, doing dual promos that they're no longer doing. It's weird. It was weird after Seth got beat up that Becky's lingering backstage, but then they don't really show her because Roman Reigns and everybody else attack the OC, which didn't really make any sense. I don't really get what happened with the Roman Reigns segment on Monday. It's partially why I'm so bought in on let's forget it and move on to Bud Murph. For me, it's like 
in that moment or in, in Raw as a whole, I would have rather them not said this Becky's boyfriend, Seth's girlfriend stuff, ignore all that. But if you want me to remember that they're in a relationship, have her jump in the ambulance with him. Yes, have her have run her- in the ring and eat a, uh, I don't know, eat a German from Brock. Is that bad? Is that too far? No. Yeah. You just internal bled this guy and hypocrited VKM. Put- I think if he did a German to her, she'd fall out of the ring. Be like fantastic. over the top rope. Be she could fly. Hey, how about Paul Heyman selling the um the, the the turn of his own stomach where he tried to where he was like shaking his head getting Brock to stop? Brilliant. Brilliant. Paul's, Paul's fantastic. Uh, as is the show, and there is plenty of it left, BC, but before we get to it, that's a transition that Michael Cole can use. That's way better than the boyfriend girlfriend stuff. Let's hear a word from our friends and sponsors. All right, BC, we're back, and there is plenty more WWE main roster to talk about. But before we do get to that, we got to talk NJPW G1 Climax. I think before we even get to that, okay, we got to talk fantasy football, right? We can talk fantasy football. I mean, are you are you back this year? Are you is the Silver King I, Express going to win his league? I'm in every year. Um, I had a nice string of winning leagues for like four or five years. This job has really taken a lot out of me. Last years have not been good for me. All right. Well, you know, I want you to know, Silver King, that just like our listeners, as you get ready for your fantasy football draft this year, I need you to check out our boys on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Our CBS Sports Fantasy team is recording an episode every single weekday from now through the end of the year. We got sleepers, breakouts, Bus. Wow. All right. I'll, I'll be in for that. Uh, we got mock drafts on the air, listener interaction via email and Twitter. The best way to win your league. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Today podcast wherever you get podcasts and tell them BC sent you. Really great podcast. You got Jamie Eisenberg, Adam Azer is the host, Heath Cummings, and Dave Richard. Fun fact before there was ever a WWE vertical or a professional wrestling vertical here, on CBSSports.com, there was a website called WrestleLine that was owned by CBS Interactive, and Dave Richard was the writer for WrestleLine. Yeah, we know Dave Richard as a as a fantasy maven, but he had that uh, that fun little video feature with Jake the Snake Roberts doing DDP yoga a few years back that I remember went kind of viral in the he wrestling. Did, and and you know, not to spoil anything, I don't know if it's going to happen. Silver King is attempting to do something fantasy football WWE related. With Dave, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to work out, but we're trying to do something really fun. And if it does, you guys will know all about it and get the opportunity to join in. Do you know Dave but, uh, Richard's listeners often uh, tag me on Twitter and say, when's Dave coming on the pod? We get that a lot. They, so this is there's two people that we I've wanted to get on the pod. One is Dave. Um, I think his ability to watch WWE as frequently as, as we do and be as on top of it as we are. I think it's a little bit difficult, especially this time of year. The other person is Jason Lockenfora, who is our NFL insider, who is a massive, longtime NJPW fan. But when I reached out to him, I'm like, hey, let's get you on the pod. We'll talk G1. You know, we'll get, get all hyped for it. He's like, I, I've been so busy with training camp stuff. I haven't had a chance to watch. Or I don't even know who's in the blocks. So he wants to come on. I think Dave wants to come on, but we got to find the right opportunities. But we will try to get both of them at some point on this show talking professional Wrestling now, Brian. Hey, well, don't fast forward so quickly because can I, I can I try to give you some topics here? No, What's going on? No, today? because um, don't forget that uh, WWE talent and CBS Sports HQ host Scott Stanford is also part of our family now, and I do a lot of weekend HQ hits with Scott 
on location from big boxing and MMA. And you know what he tells me every time offline? He goes, another week goes by, no invitation to this State of Combat podcast that I put over at the end of every HQ clip. He goes, I see all the names you guys get, Roman, KO, Wen, Scott, Stanford joining. You know what I told him, Adam? I said, well, you know, it's not that easy, bro. Got to go through WWPR to make that happen. He goes, never have, never will. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, look, I, I, as much as I try to book this show, I can't book people if I don't know that they want to come on. So some of that has to get relayed to me, uh, and I will do certainly the best I can. Now, Brian, if there's no further interruptions, look, yours is a name on the marquee. We know this, but we got a lot of professional wrestling to talk about. So we already got off track with this Roman Reigns situation. I'm keeping us on track. I'm getting us on the track. I know you want to be on NJPW G1 Climax 29. We are now more than halfway through this tournament. There are two major notes I have, and then you can go talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. One, Kazuchika Okada is leading the A block with 12 points, including a win finally over Kenta, who has lost back-to-back matches and sits at eight points. Oh, they're cooling him off. They're cooling him off. And Jonathan Good, Jonathan Moxley, FKA Dean Ambrose, the man gets a piece of the pie whenever he wants, beat Shingo, then beat Naito, remains undefeated since leaving WWE, and leads the B block by four points. Brian, are we getting Kaz Okada and Jonathan Moxley in the G1 Climax final. I wish we were. I hope we are. I still feel like they're setting us up to fail with Mox, where he'll lose out on the final day. He'll have a chance to get in there because we know that he's tied to AEW and can't come back to NJPW anytime soon. Um, We think. I'd be more than excited if they put him in the final against anyone, any of those big names from that Ace. Well, not anyone, but really Kota Ibushi, Ace Tanahashi, or Okada. Um, You mentioned last week that Ishii might be the the star right now, the MVP, if you will, of this tournament. I think he's the unsung hero because all of his matches have been slam dunks. Tomohiro, the Stone Pitbull, our guy. I mean, even Doug Spare Tire, Doug underscore Qtayer, you know that guy, part of the family. He DM'd me and was like, dude, did you see the Stone Pitbull versus Juice top 10 Robinson? What a damn match. I watched, watched it this morning, Doug. Loved it. But I think the MVP of this tournament is John Moxley. And it's a little bit surprising because Kevin Kelly kind of no-sold him in our interview with him that Kevin got us all fired up for the G1. He was putting over Will Ospreay, who's now kind of mathematically eliminated. So it's very interesting the way things have played out. I'm really hoping that they'll push Mox to the finals and just be like, you know what, F it. Let's do it for entertainment. Because Adam, Mox is the MVP so far. Every single one of his matches have been insanely fun. Must-see variety. The one with Naito, I friggin' loved it. There was so much star power back and forth emanating from that ring. And he hasn't fought Yano yet. But they had a tag match against each other, which which brought out some some funny clips. Um, Torianos always seems to find a way into my all G one team every year. Adam, I don't know if you are. I don't, are you into him like I am? I mean, I can hear Toriano. I love that ish that he does, and he's been brilliant this tournament. Have you been feeling that at all? Twice as good as last year. All right, I'll like, accept that. Not even not even a question. I, I said it last week. I said. There are guys, listen, if I get like a Lance Archer Sonata match, I like both of them. 
I, I'm real, I'm super busy. The chances are I'm fast forwarding. I'll go to the finish. I'll see the finish. I'll move on. Any match Yano is in, A, you generally know it's going to be short, so you don't really need to fast forward. And B, you wouldn't anyway because it's so damn entertaining and generally so different from the rest of the action you're getting. It's a breath of fresh air. It's almost the opposite in WWE. It's like in WWE, you get a great match, and you're like, oh, wow, they just gave me a great match. In NGPW, you expect a great match. With Yano, you get, oh, wow, they just gave me a comedy WWE segment, except it's almost far smarter than WWE comedy, despite being far simpler. And it's silly. It's ridiculously silly. It's all low blows, roll-ups, and removing the, the corner wins. pad, which is now named Tom. It's just brilliant. Um, I got a DM that really asks a question that I want to talk about in terms of where they're going with this booking right here. It comes to us from Tom Foote at Foot with an E92. I don't know Tom Foot. you? No. I feel like I know that. I don't know. All right, but everyone's trying to chisel their face on our mountain. It's it's Look, it, new DMs, first time, long time. Great, let's do it. All right, BC. Obviously, the matches from G One are injecting all the feels into my body, but the booking constant of quote Engato we trust is seriously being put to the test. Just over halfway through, and Zack Saber Junior, Will Osprey, and Sonata are eliminated. Inexplicably, Naito is practically eliminated, and to back that up. Naito only has four points tied for last in that B block, same as the other guys are in the A block. Back to Tom Foote. What's going on here, man? While Osprey, by the way, easily the wrestler of the year, all of his matches have made the juices from my Marknesia flow. He should have been handled, handed the rocket strap like Omega and now seemingly like Moxley. Instead, he has the same record as Yano and Lance Archer. While what I assume to be the likely final of Ibushi Moxley brings all the feels, the path there is starting to feel too obvious and ruining the suspense slash various scenarios, which are so fun on the final day. Assuming we end up with a bushy mox or a slight surprise with a bushy juice, is that enough to make up for the sins that were committed on the way here? Adam, I don't feel like any sins were committed. What the hell is Tom Foote talking about? Well, I talked about this last week. I, I do think that by putting Osprey in this event, you were saying, hey, our junior heavyweights are just as good as the other guys, right? That was the whole point of it. And by having him lose every match, despite them being great matches, including ones he doesn't need to lose. Okada, he needs to lose. He doesn't need to lose to Lance Archer on the first day. Like, it was a great match. Didn't need to happen. So what you're telling me is this guy, who has an argument for being best wrestler in the world this year, the year of our Lord 2019, you're telling me he's just not good enough. He doesn't live up to the rest of these guys. And you're almost booking the way WWE books, where it's like, we're going to give Finn Balor the title, and then we're going to have him lose That's a bunch fair. of matches. That's fair. We're going to cool him off. For why? Because he can, because he can take it, and the fans will still cheer him. That's bad booking. It just is. So I don't really care so much about Naito. He's, he wins and is in finals so often that if there's one event where he doesn't do well and that's a storyline that they build, that's fine. Zack Sabre, I could give two bleeps about whatever. But Osprey, you can't take a guy that hot, that over, the having that great of a year and a champion in your company and be like, yeah, just you're not going to win very much. Whereas you have Moxley, who's the U.S. champion, which is a championship in NJPW that candidly doesn't mean much, and he's undefeated. You know what? You're right. You're right on that, Moxley. I mean, on the uh, Osprey take. And actually, I'll, I'll bring some respect back on Tom Foote's name there. You're right. Kevin Kelly in our interview talked him up so highly you thought he was getting a monster push. 
I agree. I was wrong. To go into the final day knowing that Will Ospreay doesn't have a chance, that is a fail. I do believe they will have us on that final day. And what I mean by have us is we'll be so bought into the potential scenarios where, right. you know, two or three, four guys on each side have a chance to win it. It'll still be exciting. It is interesting Osprey got stomped like that. Um, Adam, this is a natural exp- uh, extension to go. We got two weeks left, less than two weeks left. August 12th is the final weekend there. Um, Which just so happens, by the way, to be TakeOver and SummerSlam weekend. That's ill, ill-planned. So good luck. Good luck to us. Ill-planned. Um, so basically, we're like four matches left, I think, for each guy. Who is coming out? I think it's interesting that Okada is in first place in the A block, undefeated with 12 points, and everyone else has eight or four after him. Adam, we haven't seen in a long-ass time the champion actually win. Hmm. Um, I want to read one more DM on this topic because I really like Black Saber Jr. He brings us his color commentary, Adam. You know mm-hmm. the guy. Love the guy, right? He says, BC, if it really is a war, wouldn't the smartest move for WWE to stomp out AEW be to establish a working relationship with NJPW before the two can truly mend fences, meaning AEW and Japan? He goes, listen to this. How about Okada wins the GL, G1 and gets to name his opponent for Wrestle Kingdom? Is it realistic or not? Which name prompts the most Mark Milk to flow if Okada called out AJ, Moxley, Omega, Shinsuke, or any other? I want you to address the spirit of that question right there. Because if Okada won, it would be kind of a weird scenario. He'd have to pick his own opponent. Any chance WWE is so positioned to compete and crush AEW that they would ever consider New Japan as that separate entity on the other side of the world where maybe we could share talent where it strategically would make sense? Nope. So on on the percentage of odds, like 1 to 10? Zero. Point. Zero. All right. Well, well said. Um, Adam, is Okada going to win? And if he did, live in in that bubble. Live live in that that bubble. Sorry, my bad. In that scenario, it would be Roman Reigns. Just, it wouldn't be AJ. It wouldn't be any. It would be Roman Reigns, maybe Seth Rollins. That's who would go over. Uh, I think Okada winning is totally feasible. I mean, I believe that. Why not? Like, you have to remember, they just went through a long storyline of this guy being the greatest champion ever in the history of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and then losing that title. And getting beaten down, he became the balloon boy. He colored his hair red. You hated him. You didn't get it. Blah blah blah. And now he's won it back. He beat Jay White in America, and he's back on top. And he's undefeated. Why, who are you gonna have him lose to? Why? Why should he lose? I think you have him win out. Go in, pick a challenger. I don't even know who it would be. Abushi. I don't see it being Osprey. Here's I don't know. Deal, I don't know what good booking is anymore because they've made it so that the only good booking would involve Moxley. Because with like, I don't want to see Okada Juice. Like, I know you love Juice. You think he's top ten in the world. He's not even close. But he Okada is, is main eight. event of Wrestle Kingdom. You don't want that. Uh, yeah, we do. If that and that would. So it's weird. We came into this tournament going, you know what? They don't have Omega anymore. They're only getting Moxley for a hot second. Are they going to push Osprey as that next big? I want to say North American star. Obviously, he's from Britain. As that next big English-speaking star who could help their North American launch. Maybe it's really Juice. 
who has committed himself to that brand, who has moved to Japan and is a top 10 performer. Go back and watch the Stone Pitbull match. Go back and watch Juice against Yano. Go back and watch Juice against everyone, Adam. He's a powerhouse who can wrestle quick, is probably one of the top five baby faces in the world in terms of getting that real baby face feeling from the crowd behind him. He can do comedy. He can do serious and swear. He's got it. But back to Tom Foote's point for a second, Adam. His point was ultimately the booking failure of Gato if he essentially not mails it in, but telegraphs it. If Okada wins, Adam, the A block, and goes against Mox, that's a must-see match. But isn't that ultimate telegraphing? Of You mean you're saying of Okada winning? Yeah, because Okada has got to uh, win if he gets to the finals against Moxley. I mean, you would think, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know where they're going. I think this is what I said last week. I think we give Gato the respect of saying, like, all right, we're here. We may not love where we are, but we trust you to take us the rest of the way. And I think that's what I'm going to do. You know, you want me to be open-minded about WWE and this potential not Buddy Murphy thing with Roman Reigns, which, yeah, maybe it is. I'll give you that. But you want me to be open-minded about that? I'm being open-minded about the G1. I, they have earned my trust. Where WWE, yes. where WWE has not earned my trust, where WWE makes me think, oh, it's just going to be Samoa Joe. It's just going to be Braun Strowman. It's going to be something crappy. What NJPW has me thinking is, you know what? I may think I know what they're going to do. I really don't. I thought Naito was winning the title a couple of years ago. He didn't win the title, right? Now he has four points in the G1. It's like, just take me on the ride. Let's go. You know what? That's the smartest thing Silver King has ever said on this show. You know, Tom Foote, you know what the Silver King just said? Gato's taken us this far. He's never failed us. Well. Believe. Dude. Believe in Gato. I let's do. Not, let's not say never. There is Jay White. I mean, it wasn't a failure. That guy's a stud right now. Watch it. I know you skip over all Jay White's G1 matches, but actually watch one. I watch him. No, I watch him. All right, here's the deal. I don't think Okada's going to win the A block because it doesn't really make sense. It's weird. Unless they have someone coming into the company that we don't know about, unless they've already signed Omega for a one-off at Wrestle Kingdom, and Okada wins this, and he's like, you know what? I need to beat Kenny one more time. We'd all pop balls for that. But, Adam, it's got to be Ibushi who comes out of the A block. And let me ask you this. If it's, o, if it's Okada Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom in January in that main event, you feeling what I'm feeling? That's what I predicted. All right. Yeah. Then we're feeling that. I like that. Yeah. Ibushi was... can beat Mox, but I think it might be better for business if he beats Juice. Start a G1. Um, yeah, Ibushi over Mox would be pretty great. Yeah, start a G1. I, I don't remember... Who I had on the other side, maybe it was Naito. I said they're gonna ha- they're gonna have their match one more time, or is that coming up? No, no, that's separate. Um, yeah, that's different. Uh, no, I think I had Naito and Abushi, and obviously that's not gonna happen. But I had Abushi winning from the start. I think I think they took the IC title off Abushi to have him beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, and if that's what ends up happening, Brian, then I think all right, it's here's- all. It's all worth it. Okada's in first place in the A with 12. And then tied for second to eight points is Kenta, Koda, and Ace. Koda Obushi has three matches remaining against Okada, against Sabre, and against Tanahashi. Yeah, he can do this. Obushi will be in the final, Adam. And I'm here for it. I'm fired up. Thank you, Japan. Adam, I didn't think Raw and SmackDown were going to be as good as they were this week and lead our show. 
I was ready to come in here and lead this show with telling you this truth. That remains a truth. Okay? I like to pop. I like when there's a Shaka in Osaka. This year's G1, like most years, I only wish I had more time. Because everything I watch, I love. Not like, not really like, love. This is how I want my wrestling, Adam. They're real fights. They're, they're portraying real fights. The comedy is smart. The matchmaking is always perfect. The differences in, in, in the variety of performers is great. If you told me you could get NJPW with the access that you get WWE main roster right now, but you could never watch WWE again. Is there Adam, a question? I'm taking the steak dinner. I'm Good for you. I would not do that. The steak dinner. If it could be in my face like WWE is, where I don't even have to work hard to see it. It's just there. It's always on. You know, if I had access to that NJPW network with the ease of WWE network, with the what shoulder is, programming, with everything is, that I would want, I would jump to the other side. I'd say goodbye, Con family. I'd say, Vince, I'm done. In all seriousness, what is stopping them from making an app? Why is it so hard to create a phone app, a Roku app, an Apple TV app, and an Amazon Fire Stick app? What they don't want to invest they don't want to grow their business? There's a, there's still that miss. Even with that new boss Harold Mage? My- Mage, Maiji, Mihai, Maharaja, the real Maharaja, the make-believe Maharaja. The make-believe! All right, enough of that. Um, Yeah, even with that, Adam, yeah, there's still a disconnect. They still play to Japan. They're still soft on their North American launch. They still really haven't gone all in. They lost a good chunk of their muscle with AEW, but at the same time, this year, this G1, They've won me back over to the fullest. Adam, I love this product. That's the point of the rant I just gave. Do you feel that? Not feel that where you're going to give up WWE for them, but do you feel that they are operating on such a high freaking level right now? Yeah, absolutely. And I know you love that product, Brian, but you know what product I love. Why don't you tell the people what product I love? Adam loves NXT. He does. And we're going to talk about NXT because you got the opportunity. Not It's rare, not never, but the opportunity to watch this entire last week of NXT in its proper time, in its proper formatting. And all I heard from your DMs were sirens. I am assuming you felt sirens. Brian, NXT has been great, bordering on great for the last month, but last week's episode was everything put together. We saw... Great stuff from the women's side, from the main event side for the men, from the mid-card. It all came together. The NXT breakout tournament is freaking fantastic. That Jordan Miles-Angel Garza match was great. Yeah, who's the chick that um, that uh, the EST of NXT beat? She was real good. From I don't China? Even remember, honestly. Yeah, from China. She was fantastic. Oh, Xia Lee? Yeah, love, love. Xia Lee. Yeah, Xia Lee's a badass, too. Like, really cool. Um... Talk to me. I mean, you saw the whole show. What is the one thing that stood out? Why did you love it? Tell me why you love the show 
you know, so much this week. And we'll talk about some quick headlines. Right? Yeah, there's times that NXT's week-to-week product like has has some big tentpole moments, but the rest can feel like a weekly AAA product. And it's sometimes that's on purpose. They're, they're really trying to get people reps and get them opportunities and all that. This past week's episode was just gold. I mean, everything popped. Adam, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to jump the gun. Do you know what my feel spot for the entire week was? Well, to be fair, Io Shirai's leather pants and her make and her dark makeover and the new entrance was was amazing. But do you know what was my real feel spot? That security camera footage of the locker room <laughs> attack. What well, was locker room? It was inside the performance center of Mia Yim trying to get under the skin of Shayna Baszler by attacking Jessamine Duke, but like viciously attacking her. Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was hashtag urban speak going on galore. That was real trash talk. Then she opened up the locker door and slammed it on Jessamine's shoulder. And Duke, to her credit, sold the F out of that with like legit like crying and yelling. And that's all you need. That's all we freaking need. Well, last week she pulled Marina Shafir out of her car and slammed the car door on her body. Like as she sat up between the pavement and the and the front seat, and I was like, "Man, this is badass, and it's simple." You know when I pop for NJPW and tell it that you, it's the only piece of meat I need. It's because it it, it kind of reminds me of like MMA. Really, it reminds me of like this other direction that the business could go in that I've never really experienced before, which is this absurdly shoot style presentation. But the real wrestling that won my heart, Adam, the real wrestling is exactly what NXT kind of portrays in a lot of ways. It's that late 80s territorial era for horsemen-like street beatdowns. Like, this is why Trips is genius and Regal and Finley or whoever else they've got back there nowadays. I mean, that felt like everything in 1986. Everything. And it's so freaking well, simple. And Adam, we just don't get that. Even this week on the Take Chance Raw and SmackDown that was fresh and real and you can really feel Heyman's fingers on it. This is still that grimy simplicity that it kind of carried through that feeling through the whole episode. So it's weird, Adam. I opened the show talking about dirty bedsheets, saying a year later, look at how much things have changed, saying it's been two years since I've really felt that feeling on the main roster. True or false? NXT in 2018 prevented us from leaving WWE prevented us from stopping and giving up from saying you know what us doing this podcast each week watching raw and smackdown is vanity this is us filling our own ego holes <laughs> uh i think there were weeks individual weeks where it saved us i don't think that the totality of it did because deep down like we said last week we just care about this too much to ever really walk away for good especially now that it's such a large part of our careers like before, when I was just a wrestling fan and I didn't even write about it for CBS, let alone do a podcast about it, which I never thought I would do. I've said that before. There probably would have been a time last year that I would have stopped watching. And then something would have happened. Ronda Rousey would have come in and I'd be like, oh, crap, I should really watch this again, you know? And that probably would have happened. But NXT, any week that like I even have an inkling of maybe wanting to go out, it does pull me back in because it's so good and it always delivers. And when you talk about Wednesday's show, like the Mia Yim stuff's great. We haven't even talked about the show. They had the Jordan Miles-Angel Garza match. Angel, I told you this before. Angel Garza's like 
should be your dude, someone that you should love. But Jordan Miles, formerly ACH, Albert Hardy Jr., I mean, incredible match, great finish. The breakout tournament was a genius idea because they have this really big class of signees, and we know that there's just a lot of people not really being used right now in NXT, and maybe that is a good reason for them to go to FS1, as we talked about last week. You know, make a live show, have more happen. Maybe you do two, maybe you do a tape show and a live show. Who knows what they're going to do? But that match just showed you the future of the Performance Center and of NXT looks super bright. You had Killian Dane return, beat the absolute oh, hell out great. of Matt Riddle. I personally didn't love it, but it was good. Like, does that make sense? I didn't feel like it was as because Matt Riddle is so capable. It'd well, almost be like him doing that to Brock Lesnar to me. It's like. That shouldn't really work this way, but it was good. So I didn't watch it two weeks ago when it happened. I watched this week's video footage recapping it, and that promo they allowed Killian Dane to cut over it, I thought did more for his character, Adam, and putting over who he actually is than any work he's ever done in his career. And that's why the the simple brilliance of letting people kind of figure out who they actually are is what separates NXT from the main roster. That was great, and when they showed the highlighted package of what happened and showed them going through the stage on that senton, good Lord, I popped for that. Yeah, I got my my weeks mixed up on that for sure. But in live, I didn't love it. But you're right, the video package was much stronger. And then even that main event, right, the Keith Lee-Damian Priest match, the former Punishment Martinez, you may not like Damian Priest, but it's a far better name than Punishment Martinez ever was. I fully expected Keith Lee to win that match, but holy cow, those two guys can go. Did you love that? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It didn't. It didn't overly pop me, but I, I watched it. It was fun. It was good. It, it, look, it was a strong episode, top to bottom. I mean, the the three way inter, interplay between Dream, Roderick Strong, and Pete Dunne, where right. no one ended up beating each other up, yet they just kind of like that's what I want week to week in wrestling. That yeah. got me so jacked up for how great that match is going to be in Toronto. Like. I, I care about, I mean, we're, we're, we're setting up for the third and final match in this Cole Gargano feud, which, like, we're not even properly framing how great this feud was and how we kind of looked at it as, all right, this will be interesting. It was kind of an afterthought. Didn't Cole get in on an injury originally? Yeah. So well, Champa, he took Champa's place. Yeah, this is turning out to be, like, the potential to, oh God, like, what the hell is NXT doing to us? It's freaking great. It needs to be on FS1. It needs to be on Fox. It's great. And yet I came out of this week going, damn, Dream, Strong, and Done, the triple threat, might be the match I'm most excited for out of anything, SummerSlam included. Think about how crazy this is. So Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat trilogy was the bar, right? Forever. Now Kenny Omega, Kaz Okada, the four, four matches, easily became the new bar. Is it possible, is it crazy to say that Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, assuming this one delivers, moves into the number two spot? <laughs> it's it, it's, it's crazy that we're having this argument, but it's not crazy that they take over that second spot. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's... Inside of a year. And, and then you uh, add in that his, good God, his, his unfinished Mega Powers 2.0 feud with... with Ciampa might actually be number two right now. Like, those were great. Ma- we're just, like, forgetting about it. And that doesn't even take into account, you know, the one-off Gargano had with Andrade and, and with Dream. I mean. God, the Andrade match was incredible. All right. Juice is a top. Juice Robinson, CJ Parker, right? We love him. KO loves him. 
I actually love C.J. Parker, Juice Robinson, and I wish that he would break your nose after hearing you <laughs> say people are marks. That's just the worst word ever. All right, get over that quick, Kale. All right, we're all marks, okay? Um, Juice is, but if you told me I had to make Juice 11 to make room for Gargano and that we weren't properly giving this you guy what he deserves. You know what, Adam? On my on my power rankings, pound for pound, best wrestlers in the world. I think I've said before, I think five or maybe the first six are from or wrestling in NJPW, not counting Omega, who I still think of as a Japan wrestler. Um, Gargano might be the number one WWE wrestler, and we don't give him that. We give it to Seth. We give it to AJ. We give it to Daniel Bryan. It's really Gargano. And I think it's Daniel Bryan just because of the promo work. Because, again, it's not just in ring. We always have this conversation. And that's why I have the J- Japanese guys and NJPW guys in my top ten of in the world, best in the world right now. But they're not necessarily one through five because promo work and storytelling and in-ring storytelling, they're very good, obviously. But it's all together to me what it means to be a great professional wrestler. I'm going to run. We have a lot more to do. I'm going to run through this projected, my projection, a couple of these have been announced. NXT TakeOver cards. Tell me how great it is. NXT Championship, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, two out of three falls. All are stipulations. William Regal will choose the third. The first two falls are a street fight chosen by Johnny Gargano and a wrestling match chosen by Adam Cole, which, gotta be honest, I get the storyline reason. Kind of disappointed by that. Oh, I didn't even see he had chose that. He chose a wrestling match. Oh. Like a regular match is his stipulation. All right. Yeah. All right. The other one's a street fight. Regal will choose the third, which we will assume it gets there. Uh, North American Championship, Velveteen Dream, Roderick Strong, and Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn, it does look like. I've been watching a little bit of NXT UK. Looks like he possibly has been written off that show. And maybe NXT US, maybe permanently, which would be really cool. Women's Championship, we're going to assume, is Shayna Baszler. Against Mia Yim, maybe with some type of stipulation there. Uh, we can talk about the Tag Team Championship, Street Profits against Undisputed Era. But I'm ending with this one on purpose. I think that fifth match is going to be Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, which for a short-term build has been a great story. And yes, I want to talk about Io Shirai, Brian. That change in character, it's even better than like the Shinsuke Nakamura change when he went heel because they did the theme music, her look, her attitude, her promos are now all in Japanese. She looks like a badass. And yes, hit that sound effect if you want, man. She is a special. We WWE talk about star. on this show often risking it all for Liv, sure. for Liv Morgan. Way know? over Liv Morgan. And well, no, I mean don't don't don't. Way. don't. Way. Okay, uh, you always you always have to go overboard. You always have to go, well, that's way over. Uh, come on. I mean, really here, let's let's talk about I mean, I know Enzo hit that. You, you gotta stop. But uh Io, she's, she's this is like risk in all territory. This is such a change in in wow. Are you gonna come full circle and take the L on Shinsuke's new song just being so badass? Yeah, yes. Yes, I will take the L. All right, thank you so much. Oh yeah, this takeover thing is gonna do nothing but but invade us us. I mean it's the Go to FS1, go to high school, come up, get off the network, get off the network, go to the people, the people, Adam, the people need this. They need NXT. You would have all relapsing fans across the world. If you made, if you have, we all have those friends. I'm trying to interrupt you. We all have those friends who used to watch. If you force them to watch NXT TakeOver 
and like the go home and post episode. You're telling me they forcing them to watch what is that a total of five hours of content? You're telling me afterwards they're going to go. You know what, dude? I'm good. I'm going to go back to betting on college football and and uh, watching The Bachelor. No, dude. They're like, how do I access that again? Is that going to FS1? Where do I buy my T-shirt now? Thank you. Your pauses have been extremely long, so I keep interrupting you. I don't mean to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I would take it on FS1 tomorrow, uh, despite my reservations and being scared about it. What I will say, it's really funny, before we move on to Hero Zero, it's funny you brought up the Nakamura theme, because I was watching Smackville, which we don't really need to talk about. It was a house show, and all the faces won, basically, and champions retained, and whatever. Um, not, not all the faces won, all the champions retained. Um, but Nakamura was coming out to his theme and I was like, man, I was wrong about that. This is banging. Uh, and yeah, so I fully take the all on Nakamura. That was great. And I thought he had a really good match also with Ali, uh, Tuesday night on yes. SmackDown where Ali got the win and it was oh, pretty yeah. cool. Even though, uh, do you hate the trope that I do that seemingly there's one of two ways that people get number one contenderships these days. They either pin the champion Yes. Which to me is so tired. Yes. Or they have to win a gauntlet match or some other type of triple threat, number one contendership. Is that not tired at this point? It's so tiresome. There's, the, okay. Having your champion constantly lose non-title matches does nothing but water down your champion and create 50-50 booking, the biggest sin that they do regularly. I do want to say this praise. I'm in, I'm in praise mode this week, Adam. We thought of Raw and SmackDown the last three years since the latest brand split, which is now over. So I don't ever want to hear you again say, Adam, the terms that WWE no longer says, which are wild card rule, and <laughs> that over. guy is on SmackDown. No, everybody's on everything right now. Well, so. they still show that. Listen, they still show the name placards that say SmackDown. Yeah, or yeah that's the that's the last vestiges of this. I mean, that's like yeah, it's, that's like it's trying up. to speak Latin, right? Come it's, on, get over it. Uh, the, my point on this is, in the three years since that brand split, um, uh, what the hell was I talking about again? No idea. I was going somewhere good. I know I was. I know it too. What were we talking about? I was talking about Ali rolling off yes. Nakamura. The blue brand has been the wrestling show, right? Raw's Vince's baby. If something extreme is going to happen, it's going to happen on Raw. The blue band is the wrestling show. This week's episode, Adam, I think featured more pound-for-pound great wrestling than we've seen on a, a WWE weekly program in a long, long time. Like, go back and look over those matches. That KO Drew McIntyre match? Good God, that main event match, fire. The Ali Nakamura, like everything was just knock down, drag it out, fire. Yeah. Now, I don't mind that like Ali roll up of Nakamura if it's a rare occurrence. If just like one day there's that match and the champion's in action and that happens and it results in a title match, cool. But it happens all the freaking time. And yes, it's tired and we got to move on from it. But I do agree. The wrestling, in addition to the storytelling, and I'll even go so far as to say on both shows, because that tag team triple threat on Raw with the OC, the Usos, and the Revival was freaking incredible. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in our next segment, BC, the lightning round edition of Hero or Zero.
All right. So is it possible, BC, that in 2019, as Nick Costas would say, the year of our Lord, 2019, that Drake Maverick, a.k.a. Rockstar freaking Spud, <laughs> is the most entertaining thing across all four main WWE shows, Hero or Zero, on the developments this week involving Maverick, Maria becoming the first pregnant champion in WWE history, and Mike Kanellis losing the unsanctioned match to Maverick on 205 Live. It, it doesn't make any sense. All those words you just said make no sense, <laughs> but it's a massive hero. This is, And I don't know how this happened, how Rockstar Spud went from Impact to WWE and then getting this level of push. Maybe a guy like Jeremy Borash behind the scenes at WWE now talked him up. I don't know. But this is a testament to WWE understanding someone's talent putting them in roles to succeed. Like, yeah, I'll say it. Like I said last week, him in a tactical vest with AOP, not the right fit, but him now appearing on every single freaking show and the match he had with Mike at 205 Live on the main event, that unsanctioned match. Holy crap. Adam, it wasn't a well-wrestled match. It was like a brawl. Yet they just, they played with, with your feelings just perfectly to tell a story that made sense that was like, yes. Um, I am so in on what Mike and Maria are doing on the main roster. It's not that there hasn't been some missteps. There has, Adam. Okay? But Mar Paul Heyman understanding Maria's talent. And you think I'd sit here and tell you this is crap that she became 24-7 champion. No! It actually <laughs> kind of ruled and it works perfectly within the storyline. Everything Rockstar Spud is near that they're touching is a monster home run. And it's ridiculous. But it's working. The guy can act. The guy can make you care. He can do the wet your pants gimmick that he's already done, but he can also do this other stuff. And he can wrestle, too. And he's in great shape, and he's married. Well done. Well done to him. It's all a hero. But do you know what's an even bigger hero, Adam? This line right here. If you don't let me in right now, I'm going to knock down this door and kick you in your vagina. <laughs> I... I popped on all new levels. Like, like had to drink in my mouth and spit it out was like, what? That's how I want my raw. Is that bad? Like, come on. That's perfect. I, so my, I had like multiple conflicting thoughts when I heard that. I was simultaneously like, what the F did she just say? And then also laughed out loud because it was legitimately funny. I mean, some things are just legitimately funny. They can be, Bad for other reasons, um, but they just work. As far as Drake Maverick goes, I think Macho Man said it best. But the cream rises to the top, oh yeah. The cream rises to the top, BC. And this guy, whether it's Jeremy Borash, whether Vince just happens to find him funny, <laughs> I don't know. But he joined WWE, and the first thing he did, well, the first thing he did was he went to a, a tanning bed too often and looked really weird and looked like a leprechaun at first. But the first thing he did was be a great general manager for 205 Live. Then he finally gets a chance on the main roster. It fails with AOP. We had a feeling that was going to be the case at the very beginning. But they have him in this 24-7 thing with our truth And what I said last week was true. It's getting tired. Like Drake, Maverick, and our truth every week. The whole point of 24-7 is you're going to get everyone else involved and having everyone running after them isn't getting everyone else involved. But having Mike Kanellis win the title and having his pregnant wife 
force him to win it off of her, it helps you create scenarios in your mind of how the hell are they going to get this title off a pregnant woman without her getting involved physically? Well, her mention of the of the stirrups and the gynecologist again, it's just brilliant. It's just it's just fun. Well, I see like I see our truth in a doctor's mask walking in and holding her her arms to the back and pinning her, and, and that's how it happens. Or maybe Carmella does it, right, or something like that. So the truth is, pun not intended, this whole freaking thing was a hero. And if you got to see the unsanctioned match, the two hundred five live match, it wasn't a great match because it was eighty percent Canellas beating the hell out of Maverick. But the finish was great. The crowd freaking loved it. It's a massive hero. Adam, hero or zero, number two. Last week we did the math to guess, figure out that Trish Stratus would likely be Charlotte Flair's opponent at SummerSlam. On Tuesday, it happened. Did that segment work from the standpoint of getting you to care about this match, hero or zero? This kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier today. It's two weeks out from SummerSlam. If this was a match that they really wanted to develop, they would have done so over a longer term. Like, this should have been something that was introduced at the reunion. They had all the superstars back. Why not have Trish out and have Charlotte interrupt her or do something and create this as opposed to having Ember Moon roll her up, have her say, I'm going to force a better opponent at SummerSlam, and then Trish just happens to be on the King's Court, which I know it was in Memphis and good that they had Jerry Lawler on, but... We haven't seen that in 12 years. I mean, how long? She happens to be there, and then Charlotte happens to challenge her. I thought it was clunky in the ring. Eventually, Trish came back over the top, and it was good. But the stare down should have meant everything to me. The, cur- the biggest current woman against the biggest former women's wrestler in WWE. And it should have been like a Roxena moment almost. Less, but close. And it just wasn't. And now they're billing Trish on social media as the queen of queens, it's a zero. I want to see the match. It's a zero. Wow. I had the exact opposite reaction, but probably because I had this idea as a zero in my heart. Now, I said it on the show last week when we were talking about it. I'm like, it's going to pop certain people. I've just never been a Trish Mark, okay? I mean, look, I, I popped for the right reasons, but I just never, and that was certainly in an era where I just didn't, I didn't care about women's wrestling, even though her and Lita were doing cool things that had never been done. I just didn't, it didn't move me. I didn't look at her as a top shelf performer like I looked at Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Bailey when they first sort of changed my view on women's wrestling. So I came into the segment for all the reasons to expect this to be a zero. And it was clunky to start off, like for all the reasons you mentioned. Didn't make a lot of sense. Trish is acting not good. I don't know what happened to me, Adam. I just bought in at some point. The dialogue was really well written when they finally started to trade trash talk. Yeah, Trish's face reactions weren't up to the level of 2019 WWE acting when it's done right. But something triggered in me when I sort of realized, like, what this is. Yeah, it's haphazard. It's two weeks before. But it is sort of a necessary passing of the torch. And Trish is 43. She got back into great shape for the, you know, the different reunions they've had in the past year, the, the Women's Royal Rumble, all that stuff. You kind of need these type of matches on a SummerSlam. They matter, especially when they have this type of passing the torch element. Charlotte played her role perfectly on Monday, on Tuesday, on what Monday or Tuesday, as she always does. And I feel like she's the perfect opponent to make Trish look like a million bucks in this match. And I'm actually now really excited about it. And actually, oddly enough, really excited about what it represents too. And I don't even pop for Trish. And this is stupid. 
But it's like this reluctant hero. I loved it. The crowd loved the ish out of it when they were staring down from each other. And something about that just won me right back in. Yeah, I'm here for it. It it just felt so forced. The storyline, the match, the rush nature of it, again, two weeks out. Why wouldn't you build this? Why wouldn't this be something that you put together over a longer term and Charlotte doesn't need the rub from Trish. She need doesn't need the she doesn't need the Roman Reigns hand in the air pointing. This is the next guy. She is the next woman. We know that. Give that to Sasha Banks. Yeah, have but Sasha back. Banks isn't the next woman to WWE, which have it's come back obvious. And, say, and have her say, "I'm sick of the way you guys treat me. You don't put me in anything important. I'm calling out the greatest women's champion of all time. I'm calling out Trish Stratus. I dare you to come face me at SummerSlam. Great story. You have Becky." Who and we'll talk about her maybe in a little bit. Have Becky, who's going a little bit back in that tweener mode. I've beaten everyone. I beat Ronda Rousey. I beat Charlotte. I beat R- Sasha's not here. There's no one that can face me. Have Trish come back. You haven't fought me. Boom, match at SummerSlam. This just feels like so contrived. It is, and- but you have to you have to almost make this decision to yourself, Adam. Was Vince McMahon steering this creative train into a ditch? So to rescue that in the Heyman and Bischoff era, regardless of who's still using the pencil and eraser, you got to deal with that. You got to deal with haphazard turnarounds ahead of this card. But they are repairing it. And I get what you're saying that Charlotte doesn't need that, but they're not going to give that rub to someone that they're not putting their money behind. And we don't know for sure if Sasha will end up fulfilling her potential and end up getting the push she deserves. But it's if she is, it's not going to happen until the night of SummerSlam that she returns, maybe to run in at the end of this match, maybe as Charlotte celebrating to beat her down. I don't know. But even though the timing is weird to give Charlotte this rub, she does deserve it. Yeah, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it. Uh, I'm not saying I don't want to see this match. I do. And don't you want to see it at SummerSlam rather than Payback yeah. or something weird? No, like I, I, I want to see it at SummerSlam, not Mania. <laughs> because I do believe that Mania should be saved for the current superstars who earn their way there. There's... Maybe you can make a case for Triple H Batista that had long-term storytelling and it made sense. But a match like this should be at SummerSlam. SummerSlam for me is a pay-per-view. It's obviously the number two. But it's where you can feature stars in big moments, right? So this match fits this show. But this match is so big, or it should be so big, it shouldn't be built with two weeks to go. That's interesting you frame it like that. Most people look at it as the opposite, that SummerSlam is the marked Super Bowl. It's like the NFC Championship and. In football, where people are like, well, the Super Bowl is for the casuals, but this is the real game. There, um, Dave Shoemaker of The Ringer wrote, a, wrote uh, some Grantland pieces back in the day on that. that. This is like the Mark Matt WrestleMania because the best fight the best, and you don't see as many celebrity crossovers and that type of stuff. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point to make. I guess to me it's just WrestleMania is still WrestleMania, and I want to see matches that matter. And generally when you have uh, a big name just coming back for a match, generally it doesn't matter. You know, WWE, to their credit, though, they've made the matter. When Goldberg came back, that was a universal championship match, right? Batista Triple H, that mattered. Undertaker Reigns, it was to put Reigns over, although that was a failure. So they have done a good job. Uh, even even like the Nikki and John Cena match, like that made sense, right? Uh, and the Ronda Rousey mix tag, again, made sense. But it almost feels like SummerSlam is the better time to throw those out and actually build things that mean something at WrestleMania. But okay, we said lightning round. We're not living up to that. BC, WWE has booked The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler for SummerSlam. But according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, 
it is a red herring, and the match will not happen. Did it make sense this week for both Seth Rollins and Finn Balor on separate shows to quote-unquote stand up to Ziggler, presumably for the Legends, presumably for a Goldberg match at SummerSlam? Here or zero? Uh, zero. It didn't make any sense, no. And if this is going the direction of Goldberg and they sacrificed Shawn Michaels and teased us and did that whole segment for nothing, then it's a, it's a monster zero. Because what they're not doing is rehashing that Chris Jericho storyline for WrestleMania 25 where beats up all the legends and gets on them and then they create that handicap match and all that and it leads to the spinoff with Steamboat because it was so well received. So if you're not going down that road, then it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I had this weird feeling when they did announce Ms. Ziggler this week and it was just like, womp, womp. I started thinking... It just makes so little sense for this to be the match. Maybe this new era, the same era that can give me Buddy Murphy against Roman Reigns. Maybe they're setting me up to fail and Ziggler's going to injure Miz and HBK is going to be like, you know what? F it. I'm coming back for one more. That can work. Goldberg does not work in this sense. It makes no sense. And he almost killed the Undertaker too. So zeros across the board for what I'm seeing. The only hero is HBK. Adam, Dolph is using this, the sweet chin music on everybody right now, and they're calling it that. He's always been a quasi-poor man's Shawn Michaels. Make the match! Shawn can still go! You already spoiled this comeback in Saudi. Make the match. The entrance with HBK's music was fantastic. That was the best. I was like, oh, because it always gets you. It will always get you because you always hope that he's back, right? So you hear the music, you're like, oh, my God. I hope they do that one day with Cult of Personality. Like, I, I don't know who it would be or the situation, but I want someone to, like, make believe – like, they want the fans to believe CM Punk's coming back, and then it's just a heel being an ass. You know what I mean? That would be so damn cool. Yes, it would. So you, what are you giving it? It's a zero. It's horrible. All right. All right. Let's roll on. Lightning round. Adam, there was a lot of involvement from the OC, the original club, Gallows, Anderson, Styles. First, they won the tag titles, meaning Gallows and Anderson on Raw. Then they helped attack Reigns in the main event. Then they showed up on SmackDown with AJ during his main event loss to Kofi Kingston. Is this too much too fast for such a new, comma, old group? Same guys I've been screaming for years. Give them something to do, hero or zero. I probably could have done without them on SmackDown because they're a Raw act and you know I want to keep Raw on Raw and SmackDown on SmackDown, even though five minutes ago you just told me to give that up. But they're great. It works. I don't love the name. I think it's a little kitschy. The official, original, only club that matters. Okay, you know, whatever. Uh, I do love their bottom third graphic when they come out. It flips through those names, and they, you get a nice, like, almost like the way they do it for Aleister Black. It's very special graphic that's not brand specific that's all really cool gallows and anderson winning the damn titles in a tag team match brian that the last since like stomping grounds there were two great tag matches last week i think on raw and smackdown there were two great tag matches now they had this triple threat on monday is tag team wrestling back in wwe this is legitimately crazy and gallows and anderson are a big part that match was awesome and making them champions was great having them win you know, in a, in a triple threat, the heels winning off the heels, fantastic. Um, ultimately, I don't think it's too much too soon because it works and the fans like it. And AJ Styles, as a heel leader of a group, I want to call him a faction. They're not there yet. 
but as the heel leader is so much better than goody two-shoes, white meat babyface AJ. It doesn't even come close. So it's an absolute hero, a huge home run by WWE. And since we didn't otherwise talk about it, Styles Kingston, not only was it a great match, that was an incredible finish on Tuesday night. It was a night full of incredible finishes. Yeah, you know my love for the Good Brothers. Monster hero. In fact, give me more. Thank you. All right, BC, this is a DM slide. Okay, um, yes. From at Tommy underscore takeover. What in the world can be done to fix the WWE women's division? I literally forgot about the Iconics, Kabuki Warriors, Fire and Desire, all those storylines all together. And I have brought this up before, but is it time for a one-hour weekly network show of just women's wrestling? I do have some follow-ups for you, but let's talk about women's wrestling in WWE right now. Is it horrible, Hero or Zero? Um, I think it's getting better since the changes of the uh, of the new guard in recent weeks. Um, I mean, I can't sit here and defend anything that's ever happened with the Kabuki Warriors. I do want to pause and say, did you see that Twitter exchange between uh, Zelina Vega and Sonia Deville by any chance? Uh, no. That did not look that... like it was kayfabe, where Deville was talking about her husband, meaning... Alistair Black in real life, and Sonia made a comment that, no, he's probably on his phone on Instagram looking for a new wife, and then uh, check it out when you get a chance. Taya Trinidad came back with something pretty brutal, too. Um, it looks like it's fake, but it looks too real to be fake, so it's like it's interesting. Anyway, um, these specific people you mentioned haven't been in anything good in a while, but I think there's an uptick for I think they're going to figure it out. They're going to get it right with the new people involved. They do only have so much time per week. And I feel like they've been given too much time to bad women's wrestling in the recent months. Bad storylines. Stuff that's just going nowhere. Uh, so I, I think I have, I'm optimistic. I have a hero optimism. But the idea of a women's weekly show, I just don't get. It's a zero. I don't get why it makes sense right now. Like, we're the hardcore of the hardcore-est. And I barely have time to catch a 205 Live main event or skim an NXT or ever see anything else on the periphery. You make a women's show, you're just going to segregate them and, and leave them to, to, to dust, to rust. If you're going to make this women's show as a developmental thing, though, almost have like a year-long May Young tournament, not a tournament, but a show that would involve those type of clientele and you're building them for future play on the main roster. I mean, I guess that could make sense. It would add to your arsenal of shows. But again, it would be NXT UK. You'd have to be a hardcore fan to have time for it. So no, that's a zero. Because you're not going to take yeah. women off of NXT. So. Yeah, one hour show is a zero. Um, but his general point is that the women's division is floundering right now. It's a huge hero. You know, I didn't have the same issues with Ember Moon and Natalya being number one contenders, although I did agree it was uninspired. But I think they've ultimately made it far better than it has been over the last couple of weeks. But you know, I think something needs to be said about the Kabuki Warriors here. And whether you like the name or not, I, I laughed at it at first, but you know, ultimately it's fine, I guess. Asuka and Kairi Sane, they're not just two of the best Japanese women's wrestlers in the world. They're two of the best wrestlers, gender not included, on the WWE roster. And on top of that, they're both insanely over, pun intended, with the fans. So you have this team that you've put together with a manager in Paige who is also extremely over and a title in the women's tag team titles that you basically don't even know exists anymore. And you're doing absolutely 
nothing with it. And the one time you do something last week, you have Mandy Rose fumble over a promo that easily could have been taped and probably was, and it was terrible. Her and Sonya Deville going back and forth. When I mean last week, I mean two weeks ago, not this week's shows. Um, so you've, you've made this division mean nothing, which means the women in it mean nothing. And in the division are two of the best women in the entire company. So they got to figure something out and fast. And if it's as simple as getting rid of the women's tag team titles, I'm all for it. I wanted well, them initially. I thought it was a great way to get more women on the show. But if you cannot find time for a segment or a match of women's tag team wrestling in five hours of main roster television, I don't care if it's a go-home show for SummerSlam. I don't care if it's a Raw reunion episode. I don't care. If you can't find five to ten minutes to cover the women's division, then you really need to reevaluate something because I think you forget that women's wrestling almost carried WWE through WrestleMania. And just because Ronda Rousey's not there doesn't mean the rest of the women aren't deserving. Yeah, but I don't even know how you can support the Kabuki Warriors in this format. Asuka's the greatest female wrestler of all time. You haven't even seen them, Brian. That's why. But like, it's just lame. They don't even need Paige. Just break that up. But I, I get what you're saying overall. I think it's time now that the brand split's over, it's time to actually drop some titles, Adam. Like, New Day did their shtick in Gorilla and called themselves the WWE Tag Team. No, you're the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Only you wrestle on Raw a lot. So what WWE needs to do this fall, if they're not, if they are going to continue it this way, which they are, get rid of branded champions. Straight up. Well, why don't you get creative? Why don't you take one of the tag team titles, make it a trios title? You know? We'll do something six, like no, that. Six man, tags are lame. six man tags are really lame. Here's the deal. You just gotta have one tag title in men's. You can have women, but you got you can't have two women's champions. You gotta have one women's champion. And then what you have to do with the other feuds is just get creative. And everybody's angling toward trying to get closer to the top. It, it it's not that hard. You can do it, WWE. Thank but you. you know, we say they can do it, but truth is they just since WrestleMania since Rousey's left, pushing Lacey Evans the way they have. Right, because Vince doesn't care about women. We know this. Vince doesn't care about women's wrestling, and he's been driving that ship pretty hard down that lonely road the last six months. But he's they're moving right. him out, all right? They're, they're sliding him over. It's time. You're right. You're, you are correct. All right. We have two minutes left on the show, Adam. All right? What we do you do. got? So we should get to feel spot, shouldn't we? Yes. You want me to start? Yes. Okay. There is a feel spot this week. Randall, Keith. Orton. He cut a promo on Kofi Kingston that the package in its entirety should go down as as of today, the best package of the year in WWE. Wow, talking about that man's package. Let's have a listen. Kofi says it all started back in 2009. So let's talk about 2009. By then, I had already been Intercontinental Champion, World Champion, WWE Champion. I'd fought The Undertaker, Mick Foley, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. I won the Royal Rumble, and I main-evented WrestleMania. Randy Orton, I was born and bred third generation to be the best that this business has ever seen. And all I had to be was myself. All I had to do was be Randy Orton. Kofi Kingston didn't have the luxury of just being himself. Kofi Kingston had to act like he had a Jamaican accent. Kofi developed different dance moves, being the fun guy. But you can't step to my level. Randy Orton brought out a side of Kofi Kingston that we've never seen before. On 
until I say you can. Kofi Kingston is stupid for thinking that he could hang with me. When you piss me off, you get sent right back to the bottom of the ladder. Let's fast forward to 2019. There's a new Kofi Kingston, and his name's Ali. Ali was going to be in the elimination chamber, but Ali wrestled Randy Orton, and I stuck my heel so far in his eye socket, and he couldn't compete. So now, there's a spot to be filled. Kofi. Kofi Kingston. He had an opportunity because of me. And the rest was history. Are we seeing the best Kofi Kingston of his career? There's no Kofi Mania without me. There's no Kofi WrestleMania moment without me. His entire championship reign is based on a fluke, on luck. Kofi challenging me. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Kofi might not see it coming. It might come out of nowhere. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to take that title off his waist. And I'm going to do it with the three most destructive letters in sports entertainment. R-K-O. Wow. You know, when you give <clears throat> a Hall of Famer like Randy Orton, who too easily mails it in when you don't inspire him, when you give him something to work with, damn, he delivers. It was, t- I mean, I got chills watching it, and then I was cutting the audio for you and trying to trim it together, and I got chills again. And we got a new you know, soundbite, I think, for the history of this show, Randy Orton saying stupid three times. But the fact that they were smart enough to make Randy Orton the challenger, and then in doing so, not forget the storyline past that these two had and work in the realism of that moment of him calling him stupid, stupid, stupid in the ring, leading to him trashing Kofi in real life backstage and holding him down. Hopefully they've made up, I would assume, since then. But them weaving all of that together, bringing the real life into it, you can say that they're over pushing Kofi and maybe the title's been on him a little bit too long and he's beating everybody including AJ Styles Tuesday night but if it leads to this if it leads to like a long-term feud with Randy Orton and Orton takes the title from him off the SummerSlam holy crap I am all in on this I agree with you um I've already shared, shared my field spot and please revisit NXT for Io Shirai and leather pants thank you a uh, final note here Adam I have a DM I did want to save it to the end because it's an interesting topic it's about sausage being made. Kind of the last topic I want to have on this. But you know Christopher Nyron at C. Nyron, world-renowned beer enthusiast, one of our, one of our brohams? You know this guy? Sure. All right, he wants to talk about um, CM Punk has gone out of his way to avoid talking about wrestling for years. And I know his MMA career is now over. He basically has to be cut in that interview. I'm sure he's referencing that ESPN interview with Mark Raimondi. But mm. right now... After those TNT upfronts, he does an interview with ESPN about AEW. And then Jericho makes a joke out of Punk's texted offer in this week's BTE, which, combined with Cody's tweets on Monday regarding Punk, seemed to be doubling down on exactly what Punk precisely asked to stop. Could just be a scrappy startups play for free publicity, but it's telling 
that Wrestling Observer rarely drops free podcasts, yet they pushed one out this week where they kicked off with a tweet by a tweet. They kicked off with a tweet by tweet discussion of CM Punk saying that Cody should have been more professional and quit with the subtweeting shade and even stating that legit journalists like Ray Mundy at ESPN would never be involved in working wrestling angles into their stories. As I recall, Uncle Dave sat on news about AEW before, which seems to suggest a high level of coordination. It seems like the observer is helping to intentionally pour cold water on speculation. But you know what happens when you pour cold water on smoke? You get smoke signals, brother. I ask you, what are the odds of a Yapapai Indian strap match between Cody and CM Punk <laughs> this October, brother? Wow, Chris Nyron, let me remind you about the main priority. The main priority is, is to get the body in the proper position for the strapation, dude. Adam, we didn't talk about AEW at all the show, really. We're going off the air in a second. But what Chris Nyron is saying, and the own shade that you've thrown at Uncle Dave lately, does this whole Cody and Punk thing, of since Punk's going to be at StarCast anyway, a big smoke show? I mean, it certainly feels like one, right? Like... Here's the thing about Punk. There's a long time when he's first stepped away that I wanted him to come back, right? Because he's so good, especially on the mic. Is it just me that I really don't care anymore? Like, I truly, I will pop. If I hear Cult of Personality and he comes out and fights Cody, I'll pop. But is it wrong that day-to-day I just, I really don't care? I've had enough of it. Him losing to an MMA photojournalist and now doing commentary for a fifth-rate MMA promotion and talking only on Twitter about hockey and stuff I really don't care about, <laughs> I've, I've lost complete interest in them. It's interesting, though, because uh, Cody saying that – what happened, the whole thing from the ESPN story, Cody claimed on Twitter that – Apparently they, Punk said something along the lines of, like, they will occasionally text me, hey, are you interested in coming out? meaning coming into AEW or yeah. wrestling for them, uh, I should clarify. Um, but but that's not how you offer some. If they're actually interested in me, they should call me or bring me somewhere and make me an offer, a tangible offer that I can accept or deny. But in the same breath, he's like, I really am done with professional wrestling. It's behind me. But at the same time, every time people tweet him about it, not every time, but many times, he'll respond to it. And he is still showing up for a friend at – uh, an independent show and doing a run-in in a mask. And All right. I don't know. And, Co- and Cody I- said he was misquoted. Dave Meltzer went to bat for Mark Raimondi, said it would never happen. So final thing on this. I don't know, man. Is Dave withholding stuff playing into an AEW storyline? I don't know about this storyline. But I can tell you, I mean, simply just from, from uh, what was that show, Double or Nothing? And stuff that happened around that show. It sure seems like he knows stuff that he's not sharing. Very, and, very interesting. And I don't really love that. I will say one last thing, Punk. I still kind of think, and I've had—I told you this before. This whole best in the world stuff with Shane McMahon. What if that's to bring Punk back to WWE for a one-off match against Shane? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. That well, that's, see, that was Cody's response on Twitter. That. Uh... For all I know, Punk's probably going back to WWE, and that to me was like, okay, now he's definitely going to AEW. They're trying too hard. They're trying too hard. Yeah, whatever. You know, again, if Raw and SmackDown is this good, if SummerSlam 
uh, makes me sleep on top of my bed sheets, then um, AEW is going to have to win my time. And I'm the guy who was grassrooting them, Adam. But in the end, I just want my five to seven hours that I give to be filled up. All right. That's Let me ask it. you this. You said last week you were not for Trish. You were not for Steve Austin. Right. And I just told you my thoughts on CM Punk. Were you a for CM Punk back in the day when he was an active competitive wrestler in WWE? And two, do you agree with me that you would pop that he's back but otherwise don't care? Or do you fully want him back in wrestling and it's a big deal to you? Um, I want him back if him being back helps AEW compete with WWE, makes their show better, makes WWE have to be better, and gets us into a third boom period. Did I love what Punk brought as an anti-hero? Yes, but I was never a Punk guy, if that's where you're going. Like, I wouldn't have bought a Punk t-shirt. Right, so now, you said, so now you've said you're not a Punk guy, not a Steve Austin guy, not a Trish guy. Who the hell do you like? Uh, the, the NWO. Since 1997 or 98. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I like Austin. I just wasn't like like a diehard Austin fan. All right. So who did you like? Was it Foley? Was it Rock? Like, no, no, I was I was um, I was a WCW guy during that during a lot of that run. So I, I, I spent, you know, in and out of the product after WWE bought him out. But really cheering for the Halls and Nashes, you know, the, the, the DDPs of the world. So there you go. Okay. It all makes a lot more sense. Thank you. Hey, this show's over. The interview's over. Interview. Interview's over. You understand? Done. Yeah. I also really like uh, Kurt Angle back then. Not so much now. Anyway, that's it. That's the end of the show this week. Thank you. Uh, two words. Yeah, we're out. All right. That's it.